Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's show, we're talking the huge success for Black Panther, a lightning round of pop culture topics in the Cosmic Crossfire, and is games as a service a service for gamers? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back for another awesome episode of the pop culture cosmos. My name is Gerald Glass from pop culture cosmos and game source. We truly want to thank you for being part of today's broadcast. And it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He's the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanica Media. You got to check out all their great stuff going on today on HumanicaMedia.com, YouTube, Podbean, and Apple Podcasts. It's Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend? Hey, hey, hey. Just uh, I was playing some Faye earlier. Excited to talk about it a little bit later on the show and tracking those podcast numbers, you know. I'm glad your job is easy. I'm stressing out because it is Girl Scout cookie season time and dad's losing just a little bit more hair each and every time with, with all the stress going on with what cookies to give to who, does this order filled? It's just stressing me out beyond all description. Hey, but, but if you think about it, Girl Scouts are actually the most welcome solicitors any time of year though. That's true, but for the dad of Girl Scouts, it's that much harder. Well, we've got a great show for you today. It is going to be a lot of stuff we've got on plate for you. In the Cosmic Crossfire, Rob McCallum is standing by. He's going to talk a lightning round of pop culture topics, and we've got a lot to discuss there. Plus, also as well, we're going to be talking about Faye, like Josh had said, and gaming as a service a lot of these big companies, Ubisoft, EA, and Activision, they're all talking about it. They're all reporting major profits for it. So is it time to just, as gamers, accept the fact that this is the new reality? We're going to talk about that and a lot more on today's episode. But first, we've got to talk the big news in pop culture, and that is the awesome success of Black Panther. It just literally destroyed February box office records this past weekend, garnering over $190 million domestically this weekend at the box office, as much as $192 or even more when the final tally comes about, and a Presence Day weekend of around $220 to $225 million. So I ask you, Josh, with all that money flying around at the box office and everybody seemed to be piling into the theaters to go watch this movie, is Black Panther now, in your mind, considered to be a top-notch Marvel hit? It was very good. Real, it was really good. Very well-done movie. 
I don't know if I'd call it a top-notch, like, Marvel hit as far as that goes. Because, you know, I I love The Winter Soldier. I love, you know, I love a couple of the earlier Marvel films. I just, I don't know. Well, it was a great movie. I wouldn't exactly call it, like, groundbreaking by any means. You know, it, it did a good job of championing a lot of, like, the, uh, you know, the social causes. But it, those scenes where I, that I would consider groundbreaking were very short. What are your thoughts? Like, I, I want to hear your thoughts on the movie first, and then I'll, I'll converse from there. Well, before I will do so, I want to just let everybody know there will be spoilers for the next 10, 15, possibly even 20 minutes. So I want everybody to know that if you have not seen the movie yet, there will be some spoilers shared out on this broadcast. So please check out the movie today then head back over here subscribe to our channel or head to one of our downloadable networks as far as to check out this episode and be able to play it back for you as far as our thoughts or maybe just turn it down a little bit on the volume until you get to the halfway point and you can hear a lot of great stuff going on on the back end of the hour but for right now it is black panther i got a chance to see it this weekend as well i highly recommend it it is probably going to fall somewhere in my top five of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Haven't really 100% pinned it down as far as it being three, four, or five, but it is up there for me. I thought it was a very well-made movie, very well-constructed. Probably in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, probably the best acted film from a variety of great actors and when you see all the academy awards nominated actors or academy award winning actors and actresses that were part of it just the list just seemed to be going on and on and on and just so many great performances and i tell you what it was just an awesome experience indeed it was probably going to be somewhere in my three four five area for me i really enjoyed it might even go see it again. You never know. It's just, just really just has that kind of impact for me as well. It is not the Winter Soldier for me. It is not the Guardians of the Galaxy for me. But it tell you what, it is right there in that three, four, five slot in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I, and it really is something very special. I highly recommend it to anybody out there that's on the fence of seeing it. It does have its social causes, which actually are very important and very very interesting. And, and also make it very heartwarming as well. I especially like the thoughts on the first after credit scene that were made by Chadwick Boseman. I really hope uh, that does resonate with a lot of people out there. Also as well, I, I liked what was said as far as the conversing back and forth between Chad Boseman's character T'Challa and also as well, Michael B. Jordan, who plays one of the best bad guys by far in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, He's right up there with some of the bad guys that, that have been as far as considered the top notch. I know he's very, very good. And he's you know either the second or third best villain for me uh, behind Robert Redford as far as in the MCU. I just thought he was outstanding in the role of Eric Killmonger. And I thought he really made uh, a passionate effort to champion his cause in the film. And I just think that... It, yes, there were social causes and social messages, but it really was, like you said, in your assessment on Friday's episode, and you got to catch that, the PCC multiverse, you had said in elaborate detail that it was still just you know a, a 
very good Marvel movie. I think it was a very good Marvel movie, and it, it does play a lot to the Marvel formula, but still, it, it did a great job in doing so. I, I just love the cinematography. Like you had said, Wakanda itself as a, a nation and as a place in the realm of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it looks like it's going to be a center point for years to come. It looks like it's a very intriguing and interesting place to go and be a part of. And it does seem like it's a, a great way to kick off this year in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Infinity War and Ant-Man and the Wasp coming up right behind it. There were a couple elements uh, I kept it back from perfection or, or true, really, really, really greatness. I think one of them was, was the pacing, I think, was a little bit off in certain spots. Sometimes it was a little bit too slow, and sometimes it was a little bit too quick as far as uh, at certain points of the movie. I think Martin Freeman was portrayed almost like a Bilbo Baggins in certain at points of time where it just seemed like he was bumbling through a certain couple points in the movie, and it just really seemed kind of out of place uh, as far as that's concerned. I think it was a lot more needed from that role and, and they didn't get it or he wasn't given the material if that's the case uh andy circus for the time that he spent in the movie was very serviceable I, I know you really loved his performance i thought he was he was very good as well uh, he always puts out an outstanding performance and i think this is uh, no exception but it really was made for me by the outstanding performances of Michael B. Jordan, also as well, Angela Bassett, whatever she was given, which wasn't enough in my opinion, was very, very good that she, you know, obviously, you know, being the great actress that she is, Lupino Nuango uh, was really, really good as the girlfriend slash love interest slash fellow warrior, Nakia, she did a great job. Denai Gurira, uh, which people know as Michonne from The Walking Dead, she is just totally just a a uh, you know a kick butt type of uh, individual in that movie, and and I just really loved her character as the the head of the security forces that protect T'Challa. Well, not that he needs a whole lot of protection, but her as Okoye and her devotion to Wakanda really was made strong in that film. And I really think she she came out very well in that movie. And then also just some great other performances by Sterling K. Brown, Forrest Whitaker. And it just, it really all around, it just seemed like a top-notch effort from virtually everybody outside of what was given to Martin Freeman. And, and I just think as a whole, to me, that's what made the movie so special is that these performances really made this movie as a whole with previous marvel films you could center on one character or a couple characters that really just stand out from the lot in this case i think it was more of a group effort and just so many outstanding performances really came through in black panther i agree with you on pretty much everything you said you know i had gone in hearing about the social commentary didn't really went in not wanting to pay much attention to it well, I will say this. I believe what was said in the first ending credit scenes, I, I think should be said by everyone. I think it is something that was not just meant for one certain ethnic group or one certain demographic. I think it was made for all demographics. And I, I believe that part of it should be something that strongly could be considered by everyone. I, and I, I like that part of it. Uh, yeah, I know there were social messages throughout the film that were subtle, some were not so subtle, 
But I really like the fact that, you know, that was portrayed at that point in time. And I really think that message became clear, especially in the times that we're having right now. Right. Well, I like the idea that like anybody of any race or gender can be a hero. And I think that's like, that's something that Clint Eastwood tried to do in uh, 1517 to Paris and it didn't really come, wasn't really delivered that well. Do you think that's because he used the actual individuals involved and not maybe actors that could portray that emotion better? I've been having conversations about this movie all week. I saw it and like the acting really took away from the message. And like, I, I appreciate what the guys, you know, I appreciate what the guys in the movie did and I appreciate them as people, but I just didn't really, it didn't really sink in very well with me, you know, but as far as black Panther goes, you're right. Martin Freeman, he, I don't know how to describe his part. It seems like they really, they're, what it feels like is they're trying to develop him for some for a future role and they wanted to give him let you know who he is as a character so they can throw him into a movie later on i'm assuming we're going to see him in infinity war somewhere it'd be ironic not ironic but it'd be cool if he ended up with benedict cumberbatch we'd have like a you know a sherlock situation but I just um, think I just think seeing his character and then understanding what his role is in the Black Panther comic series as a more forceful, more I don't know, um, tough guy type of CIA agent and supporter. Because actually, you know, from what I was reading, he he works very closely with T'Challa when he's here in the United States. They have a plan for him because they wouldn't have introduced him in Civil War if they didn't have a purpose for him going forward. And uh, did you you stayed for the second after credit scene, right, with Bucky? Yes, okay. there is a second after credit scene. It does involve the uh, Winter Soldier, aka Bucky Barnes, who the question gets answered. Obviously, from the trailers, everybody seems to know that by now. It's it's kind of like a you know admission already that everything's going to be okay with Bucky Barnes that he does get healed uh, for that all all intents and purposes. So it's not really that much of a secret coming from it. So I think that, you know, that, that was fine for what it was, but I know you and I talked about in our last episode on the PCC multiverse, does it do a good job of setting up the infinity war as far as uh, being a, a good stepping stone to that movie? I'm still not sure if it was that great of a stepping stone for that movie because it did so much of a job trying to concentrate on telling its own story and doing a very good job in doing so. I don't think it gave much room for telling that part of it. But then again, you're right. As you said previously on the PCC Multiverse, there is going to be a segment of the movie that takes place in Wakanda as far as battle shapes up is concerned. So Becoming familiar with Wakanda, I guess, in the movie is a key component for audiences going into Infinity War. So from that sense, I I get it. I just was hoping for maybe even a little bit more in the after credit scenes or something just to set up the whole Infinity War. Or even just to confirm exactly where the Soul Stone, which many people have a good idea where it's going to be or where it is, is actually at. Right. I think they did a good job of laying the groundwork for the setting of, uh, you know, one of the settings of where Infinity War is going to start out. I think what they were trying to do with Black Panther is kind of create a standalone movie. They wanted to create something that didn't rely really on the other Marvel films, with you know, with the exception of Bucky. But, you know, I think Wakanda is very important because as we saw in the trailer, there is a, a massive battle that takes place there. 
and that's important to see that so they know uh you know know the groundwork the setting the uh you know the foundation of where that battle takes place but you know honestly like i i wanted to see the soul stone and where it came from but i have a feeling that that's going to be part of the opening uh of infinity war and i'm i'm okay waiting a little bit longer i i didn't feel like what made Black Panther so great was that they didn't have it didn't suffer from, you know, Spider-Man 3 syndrome where they're trying to stuff too many villains in to set up future properties. And I think that kind of worked in their favor by not doing that, especially since Black Panther is a hero that's kind of lesser. It's less known among comic book fans and non-comic book fans as far as like backstory goes. So I think that they were smart in doing that. What do you think as far as the scenes in South Korea that took place in the first third of the movie, I thought they borrowed a lot favorably, I might add, from Skyfall as far as the setting, as far as the placement, as far as some of the actions, as you know, what they were doing and communicating with each other when they were in a gambling casino. And it just seemed to have that kind of same feel that Daniel Craig did when he was in a similar type format in Hong Kong in Skyfall. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. So one of the things, if you remember uh, on Friday's show, what I was talking about, one of the things I really loved about Black Panther was the way that they use colors to create their scenes. And uh, that's one of the things in Skyfall too. If you notice when he's in that building, he's about to kill that guy is that reflecting off of the mirrors are all of the electronic billboards and lights that are outside of the building. And I think that's one thing that the colors were a lot brighter in Black Panther. I think that's one of the things that makes Korea such a great place to shoot film is that they have, you know, they have all that stuff to play with. And I think it's kind of a untapped location for, for film shooting. And we're gonna, we're probably going to see a lot more properties take place there, but why not? I mean, those scenes were beautiful, especially the the ones where Black Panther's running along the buildings and stuff. Like, those were awesome. Those were some of my favorite scenes. So I think they were smart in doing that, and I, we're probably going to see a lot more of that in the future. Well, like I said, it does pay homage to Skyfall in some of the looks in that casino scene, which I don't mind at all because Skyfall is a, a favorite of mine, and I think it was a very good way to pay homage to a Bond-type setting. And actually, just the way they set it up almost seemed Bondian-like with the mission structure, how they laid it out, how T'Challa got the you know the, the weapons and whatnot laid out to him by Shuri, who was played by Letitia Wright, who was incredible in the movie as well. She really was good at, at what she was doing as far as laying out, almost like the gadget man for Bond does, you know, just laid it out pretty much in the same fashion. Like what the, I kind of like that setup, and I, I think it was a very clear homage to the Bond films in that first part, uh, and I and I don't mind them doing so. But I want to ask you this: I know Andy Serkis was a big part of what you liked about Black Panther. Were you upset in the fact? And again, this is spoilers for everyone out there. Were you upset when the fact that his death he wasn't even just barely halfway into the movie when he was knocked off but also as well his death used as a pivot point for eric killmonger to go ahead and carry out his evil plan and are you sad that he's gone at all because claw could have meant so much more to the marvel cinematic universe 
Now, here's the thing. I think that the Mar- MCU version of the Black Panther plans on going a lot deeper than the comic books, dude. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever read any of the comic books, but they're kind of... They were written for the, a certain period of time where, you know, it was okay to have cheesy villains or there's a lesson they're trying to teach you there. I think that the MCU version of the Black Panther aims to go a lot deeper than what the comic books were capable of doing. And because of that, I'm, I mean... I loved Andy Serkis. I thought he was great, but you know, I'm hoping with this move that maybe we'll see some depth to the Black Panther that we never got in the comic books and animated films. But I could be wrong. But because honestly, like a character like Andy Serkis's, uh, you know, Ulysses S. Claw, like he was such a an interesting character, and he was fun to watch. That they wouldn't have killed him off unless they have a bigger plan. So I'm I'm kind of going on faith here that they're going to do something with him. Well, let's put it this way. I'm very glad to see that there's still a lot more that they're going to probably show in the Black Panther universe. Obviously, now they have to make a Black Panther 2 if they weren't planning it already because this movie has been a colossal hit. The fifth largest opening in U.S. hit box office history, uh, and totaling out in its first three days, almost four hundred million dollars worldwide in its first three days is just truly incredible for a movie of the stature, the, about the time frame coming in February and not in the first week of March, and and all that. It this is just incredible for for what it's doing, and just beyond expectations that even a week ago that it was going to do this well. So very, very good signs indeed for Black Panther. But any last thoughts on Black Panther? Did you, again, Josh, you said it was a very, very good movie for you. For me, like I said, it's in my top five as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe is concerned. What overall do you think is going to be the positives that come out after all that's said and done when you talk about Black Panther? What worked really well for Black Panther was that everything that Marvel has been trying to do for the past 10 years and everything that didn't work, they had somehow managed to perfect with the Black Panther. And that was cool to see all those past mistakes come to life in a more remedied fashion. And, uh, you know, Black Panther, I I think it's not just a, a great film for what it was trying to do, but I think it's great that it kind of sets a precedent going forward that you know, this is the standard that we're going to set forth with Marvel films. Because think about it like this, like Black Panther, it it really did set a standard. And going forward, if they're going to be pumping more money into bigger properties for Marvel, they're going to be taking what they learned with Black Panther and applying it to everything else going forward. So I think that's a really good for doing what it's done box office wise, but it's a good standard to set for all future Marvel films. I couldn't agree with you more on that. It is a great standard for future Marvel films. And I know that now the pressure is really on Marvel's Infinity War. I wouldn't say necessarily Ant-Man and the Wasp. I I don't think anyone should put Ant-Man and the Wasp in that type of realm with Black Panther's opening. I think there was so much momentum behind Black Panther and so many individuals that wanted to go ahead and make this film a success and and truly did so i don't think it's a fair apple to apples type situation when it comes to ant-man the wasp especially because it's a sequel to a film that's that 
actually performed at the lower end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So let's not that comparison, but definitely if you're Marvel Infinity War fan and you're looking at that film being a major success, you've got to be inspired because Black Panther has done huge numbers. It shows that superhero fatigue isn't quite there yet. And there's still hope that the Infinity War can not only reach those lofty numbers that Black Panther hit, but exceed them by even more and bring the Marvel Cinematic Universe even more to life going forward. What are your thoughts on Black Panther? It did huge numbers at the box office. We're looking at possibly even a $230 million Presence Day weekend for the four days here domestically. And by the week's end, we'll be over half a billion dollars worldwide. What are your thoughts on the movie itself? We'd love to hear from you. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. When we come back, we've got a lot to talk about with Rob McCallum in the Cosmic Crossfire. He's going to do a lightning round of a lot of little pop culture topics that have really just gotten to him and and gotten him involved in far as far as trying to go ahead and ask me a whole bunch of questions on we're going to be doing that over the next few minutes or so right after the break but first we've got a great song from josh's good friend chad smith he is part of hyper schmidt and this is fighting eyes and this is the pop culture cosmos
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. On March 30th, get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McGallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Pre-order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. Kitty Origins Evolutions drops March 30th, 2018. Up next, more in our lightning round of topics with Rob McCallum. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse. I would say Rogue One has a more worn feel. And I love it for that because it looks a lot like New Hope where everything isn't shiny and plastic like the Star Trek films. We always talk about timelines and the franchises that we love. And now it's kind of like, okay, now we're going to do a Han story. Now we're going to do Obi-Wan story. People do still like to go into movies and watch things that are different, watch things that are not related to superhero franchises. With him, you might get the Russell West. Kevin Durant leaves and he goes, I'm not going anywhere, this is my team, I'm lead up it for the long haul. If you're into like very strategic style games and the co-op games in general, it's a highly recommended game overall. And it's a sense of depth and personality that would escalate fighting games to a higher degree. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We thank you so much for sticking around with us and checking us out here on the show. And it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the man amid the legend behind Rob McCallum Films and RobMcCallumFilms.com. You got to check out all the great stuff that's coming along the way, including his backed or busted crowdfunding site on Facebook. It's Rob McCallum. What's going on, my friend? Same old, another day in paradise, as you know. Uh, so just living it up, living it large, and just trying to get more done every day. Lots going on in the land of McCallum, I guess you could say, as you well know, and our viewers and listeners know as well. Well, I tell you what, it is always great to see you busy, 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 because when your plate is full, it seems like you're a little bit of more of a happy kind of guy because you like that challenge, you like all that stuff thrown your way, and you like to make sure that you, you get that stuff done and put out a great product each and every time. Yeah, I definitely like to stay busy. It's easier sometimes than others to be that way. So uh, <laughs> fatherhood has its challenges with maintaining different uh, activities in life, but we are we are soldiering on. And uh, we can't let our listeners down without an episode or segment of The Cosmic Crossfire. Crossfire! 
Speaking of fatherhood, you've got my daughters doing it, by the way. Last night, they were listening to the show on one of the networks that we're on. And, and yeah, they were just, uh, for the next two minutes, crossfire. That's all I hear in the van. So, <laughs> so it's effective is what you're saying. Yes, yes. We're well, huge with the seven to nine-year-old women population of, of the world. It sounds like it. Yes, indeed. Well, again, it is the Cosmic Crossfire where we talk a lot of great things going on in pop culture. So pray tell, Rob. What's going on in your world when it comes to pop culture? Well, this might be like the lightning round version of the Cosmic Crossfire. I have no idea how deep we're going to get into some of these topics. So I just have a slew of different things to cover. As as people may remember from last week or when they were talking to us online, we told them that we didn't even get to everything because there's so much going on. So we'll try to include everything this go around. First things first, Disney Park gets a name change. Did you see this, Gerald? Were the once known as Disney MGM Studios in 89, uh, then known as Disney Hollywood Studios in 2008, will now be known as Disney Cinemagine or Cinemagine Park. I don't know if I like the name, but it's cinema and imagination, so it kind of feels like corporate synergistic opportunism, if that's a word. But why has this park out of every Disney property around the globe, why has this park been the one most in flux? Why can't a movie studio, an entertainment company, get a park about movies and entertainment right? That's a great question, and I'm not sure that. I, I know they keep raising their prices, as they just announced. Oh, but Tell me you and Josh are going to detail that if you haven't already. Well, at some point in time, yeah, we got to, but... Also, as well, they're, at least they're putting in a Paul Rudd attraction at one of the theme parks, I believe. In Japan, overseas. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Buzz Lightyear's Light Blasters or Astro Blasters is, is getting remade into uh, Wasp and Ant-Man. So that's interesting. Yes, that is an excellent thing to, indeed. I know he's probably very ecstatic about it. But yes, that one has always been in, in kind of a state of flux. But I think you know when it comes to Disney, I really don't think they have a plan seemingly long term for that studio it see that's all always the sense i've gotten do you, do you have the same as well or or because it just does never you know like you said it's always in a state of flux it's always changing it just seems kind of very strange i know they probably wanted to get rid of the mgm part of it i can understand that which is why they did that in 2000 yeah of course. so i mean they don't own it so the mgm rights or the mgm property in and of itself now i'm they may in the future, who knows? But yeah, I just think it's 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 something that they've really never had a long-term vision for. But if they ever do decide to have something corner, you know, have something concrete, you know what? They'll, they'll probably make something very good about it. Or at some point in time, if they do buy into even more studios like they have with Fox, that they could utilize that for that purpose. It's uh, to me, like if there's any park and they're calling it a park now. It's never been a park before. It's the whole Disney uh, classification system. Uh, if there's if there's a park or a space in the, in the Disney catalog that should be at its prime, it should be this one because it has always traditionally been these ancillary brands that Disney has accumulated and kind of just deposited in this one space for people to enjoy and visit. They've got uh, the Muppets that are there. They've had some Pixar offerings. And now with Marvel and all the assets they could be getting from Fox, and we'll come back to that later as there's some interesting news on the Disney Fox murder, it just seems like the perfect breeding ground for everything that is what I would call new Disney. I'm sorry, I just got to hold you up. You said Disney Fox murder. 
so, some people will say is that, but it's, yeah, I know it's Disney true. Fox murder, Fox and the Hound murdered. I, I don't know. Read into the conspiracy theory. Everything is on purpose. There is no mistakes. The Disney Fox merger will come back to that. But this is the one space where now there can be a cohesion for everything that is new Disney. I see the Magic Kingdom as classic Disney with a lot of their animated properties and some of their live action ones. And of course, the original vision. But Disney Hollywood Studios is really should encompass that the Hollywood studios that they are starting to put out there as mega blockbusters. This should be the home for Marvel. This should be the home for everything Pixar. This should be the home for the Muppets, whatever they're doing with that. And this should be the home for Star Wars as well. So if you anchor a Disney Hollywood studios around Star Wars, Marvel and Pixar alone, let alone these smaller other entities that they have, that would make a great destination visit. You can go to classic Disney at the magic kingdom. You can go to, Animal Kingdom and see everything that's there with their live zoo. Epcot, of course, is getting a little bit of rebranding with Guardians of the Galaxy moving in there instead of the uh, energy conservation experience. But still, it seems pretty clear to me that Disney Hollywood Studios or sorry, Disney Cinemagine Park is the home where all these new brands should be and it would drive a lot of traffic there. It, it seems like a missed opportunity and I don't know why they haven't nailed it yet. I don't know why either, but like I said, it's just something they've never had a real long-term vision for, and I, I don't know. It just seems like, it, it, like you said, it would be a lot easier if they just go ahead and and focus their attention a little bit on it, a, you know, just a little bit better. And and like you said, they have all these properties now that that they need to, you know, that they can lean on and that they need space for and that they need to give time and attention to because there's stuff that people want I want to go out there and see and like you said the every with every acquisition that they make more and more things that they do own seem to get pushed aside and we you talked about the muppets uh, the muppets seem to get pushed into into more and more often the, the the farther and farther reaches the corner of the actual parks the 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 offshoot and whatnot and that's a shame because the muppets are still in my opinion a viable property and could make something like the cinemagine park some truly special along with all the the marvel stuff like you talked about and the fox stuff once it finally comes to fruition yeah, the Muppets have gotten a kind of a raw deal. There was uh, some excitement with the two feature films that they had that did fairly well, especially the first one with Jason Segel. And they actually started having uh, like a hall of presence in uh, the town square there in uh, Frontierland, I, I believe. So, or uh, New Orleans Square, and I forget the Disney World counterparts to New Orleans Square. Do, do you recall that off the top of your head? Anyways. They have a presence there and they've been in some parades, but because it isn't active and they don't know what they're doing with it, it makes it hard to kind of make it a mainstay. And they're actually, like I said, they're just being pushed further and further to the side. I mean, if you go and visit the Muppet attractions now, where they're located at is not a central point of the park and it does not seem to be a very important part of the actual park itself at this point in time. That's true. It's true. So we'll see how Cinemagine Park uh, go, does going forward. And of course, that means a lot of collector exclusive stuff for any Disney collectors. And there's a lot of them out there that have all the other branded merchandise. Back to Disney news, because every other piece must be about Disney in some way or another. Not so fast, Disney. A Comcast Fox deal? A report from the Wall Street Journal confirms that Comcast is considering making another bid for Fox after its initial bid was rejected by the company. Comcast's original bid which was in the low $60 billion range, was reportedly higher than Disney's by 15%, but Fox turned down over antitrust concerns. Now, antitrust concerns basically mean two media companies would have kind of like a monopoly over everything, thus get shut down 
So that made it easier for Fox to say, no, we want this deal to go forward without the headaches. Now, essentially, the entire industry is waiting to see what happens with AT&T's $85 billion acquisition to Time Warner, which was blocked by the Justice Department and now waits a court's judgment of its legality. It's a decision that will have ripple effects through multiple media platforms. It could set the tone for further media company acquisitions to come, again, all according to Slash Film. Basically, if AT&T and Time Warner find a way to go forward, expect a Comcast bid for Fox. Everybody listening is saying, but isn't the deal done? I thought this was reported in November, December. What are you talking about, Cosmic Crossfire, Rob McZob? I'm talking about the deal has been submitted. Nothing is official yet. There are still ways to pull out of this. Everything is submitted, waiting for the basic big seal of approval from the big brother government, so to speak, to make sure that this is legit and everything and T's and I's are dotted and crossed. What do you think about Comcast potentially buying Fox? I don't think it will happen. I think at some point, if that's if need be, Disney will just re-up the bid. I think it just makes sense for all parties' concerns if it continues to go forward. Comcast and Fox, the, Comcast had their chance. They didn't cut it. and, and But they can still come back in is what I'm saying. Yeah, and they can just try and just poke a needle in the side of Disney and say, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and try and, and throw a bid out that's larger. And it's up to Fox to go ahead and ultimately make make the decision otherwise. But even if that's the case, Disney could still not only counter-propose, but also if it doesn't fall through, I, I, I expect there to be a little bit of a messy legal fight as far yeah. as it's concerned. And Disney's already preparing... Uh preventative responses with their legal team in case that does go forward. But some experts are also suggesting that should Comcast and Fox uh, make a deal, despite everything that's you know been done on Inc., people suggest that Disney isn't done buying and as a result of the vacuum that this would leave would probably make a pitch for Sony or even Paramount, which has been quiet in, in recent years as well as trying to make their own franchises and pillars. Paramount has been really quiet and Disney could find a way to, to snap them up which would, of course, give them a leg up not only in television and film assets, but also in the theme park world with all the different Paramount parks that exist. So it looks like David Goyer is out of running as He-Man's director. Masters of the Universe has a December 2019 release date, and despite doing his work on the screenplay and still remaining attached as the writer and executive producer of a new Masters of the Universe film, David Goyer says he will not be sitting in the director's chair despite having a bunch of pictures posted online of concept uh, outfits and costumes for Battle Armor Tila and some other things of, of all things. So here we are again. Masters of the Universe is without a director and a uh, fast approaching deadline for a film that's going to be really big budgeted and hard to really nail down. Well, you already called it that, you know, even if they called Rob McZob in on it, uh, that the potential box office success uh kind of leaning you know i'm here in vegas so i would kindly be betting against it with all due respect and i know you actually said that as well to some extent that this doesn't look like the greatest thing in the world and that may be why david goyer got out of the director's seat yeah i mean he's been paid for his work as a writer and i'm sure he'd be happy to chime in as uh, as an ep but uh, to sit in there as a director and, and take a hit for his directing career which is on shaky ground maybe uh, as is, you don't want to helm a $200 million plus film and, and have that go south when you're barely handling 30, 40 uh, million dollar films with, with I, success. I, I will tell you how they may be able to make it success. Oh, I want to hear it. Okay. You've got to make Skeletor 
a really cool character that people can actually gravitate to like he is in the Geico commercials because he is the hit of that commercial. People do not care about He-Man or, or you know anything of that commercial outside of Skeletor because he's just so cool in that commercial. And as a character over the years, he seems to be like Darth Vader in a much smaller fashion than that the evil and, and the darkness that he represented in back in 77 that Darth Vader did seems to have been gravitated in something of a cool type character. I mean, you, you see people like me wearing Darth Vader t-shirts and, and other stuff. People like, that. like you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I want to be a person like you. <laughs> Skeletor himself over the years from the eighties has, has actually seemed to become more of a cool individual to uh, gravitate to because of his his sharp and, and witty one-liners during the series and and you know his just his mannerisms and whatnot it just it just seemed kind of cool to actually you know get behind him even though he's a baddie so that being said I think if they were to make a movie they should not make in the traditional way that they tried to make it with Dolph Lundgren and that they should go and look at it from a different approach and that would be one of the things I would actually target well I agree with you that Skeletor definitely has to be cool and memorable Darth Vader like Voldemort like he's got to be like memorable strike a tone that is cool that people really want to like him uh, unfortunately, Game of Thrones, you know, has everybody wanting these dark, gritty adult fantasy dramas. But I think if He Man goes that route, it'll be uh, very much like Jason Momoa's Conan, which I yeah, think it, I, agree I, th on it. I think it would be very much like that, or like a bad version of Vikings with some sort of sci-fi tech added in there. I really think the way to go with He Man, and, and I'll be interested to see what happens with the Netflix Shira series. I think the way to go is looking at something like Teen Titans, uh, the cartoon on Cartoon Network, which is. You know, it is unfortunately kitty crack and over the top, but it doesn't take itself too seriously. When you have a character like He-Man with the name of He-Man, you can't take itself so seriously. Just no. have fun with it. Make it colorful. Make it lighthearted. Make Campy. it fun. And it, like Looney Tunes-esque. You know, yeah. have it high-spirited, over the top, fun, yet still wholesome. That's what you got to do with He-Man, I think, anyways. I agree with you on that. It should be very campy. should be very light. And like I said, you, you create that kind of character where people coming out of the theaters actually will like characters like Skeletor maybe even more than He-Man and have that cool factor. I agree. But, Gerald, that does it for the Cosmic Crossfire this week. We covered a ton of topics in a short amount of time. So, of course, if listeners want to chime in on any of our topics, and most of which were Disney-related, uh, because Disney can't stay out of the headlines, where can they uh, drop us a line and, and comment? Well, they can drop us a line at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, Game Source, Rob McCallum Films, and Backed or Busted Crowdfunding. And before we get out of here, I know, again, you've got some great things going on. Backed or Busted Crowdfunding, the Kitty documentary. But I know that's coming around the corner as far as and, – and pre-orders are still available. Is that correct? Yeah, pre-orders for Kitty Origins Evolutions are available through robmcallenfilms.com. We've got special links up there for a triplicate DVD, Blu-ray, and live audio CD pack, which is really cool. Uh, and, of course, we will be unleashing at some point after that the reunion concert that featured several lineups that get showcased within the film itself. So be on the lookout for that. And, yes, Bacter Busted is doing incredibly well. We had some awesome uh, episodes go live, one about a Sonic tabletop board game called Sonic Battle Racers. And then another one, which is an indie music project 
called Fun Ben Lester's new album, which really takes a look at how you can take a small idea and put it out to Kickstarter to just try to earn a small amount of money. But what things go right and what things go wrong is, is where people can really learn. So despite not having the brand name of like a Sonic the Hedgehog for something like that most recent episode from us, it is the most applicable thing to anybody out there that's doing something creative and small that can use Kickstarter, get a few extra bucks and make their dream projects truly come to life and become truly amazing. That sounds truly awesome indeed. I thought you would truly think so. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Like that. Like that. Rob, it's always, it's been a great pleasure having you part of the show and part of the program. My continue best wishes for you and your family, especially your little one that's uh, probably keeping you up at nights. And uh, is that a little bit of gray hair I start seeing forming? You know, no, there? that's been there for a while. Oh, okay, I've been there for sure. a while. Okay, because you know that was there after the cinder blocks. Okay, after the cinder blocks. After well, I had, cinder you know, blocks I had red hair once. So, you know, two kids later, let's say that's you know. You also oh, had a mustache. God. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true, indeed. Bring back the stash. Bring back the stash. No, that's only for Henry Cavill. Rob, as always, it's been a great pleasure having you part of the show, and as always, as part of the Cosmic Crossfire. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Thank you so much for sticking with us. And appreciate Rob McCallum, as always, stopping by in the Cosmic Crossfire. Just so happy to have him part of it. And you want to check out all of his great stuff again on robmccallumfilms.com with the Kitty documentary, his backdoor-busted crowdfunding, and so much more. But Josh, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So what is new and coming up to everyone out there that they need to know about when it comes to Humanica Media? Well, uh, we have a new episode of Topic Topicocalypse dropping a little bit later tonight. You can expect a new Super BS cast coming at you this week. And also Tuesday nights, check out Attack of the Humanicans on the Podcast Radio Network. That is Attack of the Humanicans on the Podcast Radio Network every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Also check out their great stuff today on their YouTube channel, Apple Podcast channel, and also Podbean as well. For us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos and Friday show, the PCC Multiverse, remember, you can catch us live streaming now seven days a week. That's right, seven days a week. And let me give you the heads up on where you can go each and every day to live stream our show, either on the Live 365 app or TuneIn. You can try on Sundays. We're back-to-back on Good Talk Radio. On Mondays, we're on the Podcast Radio Network, where we're the number one show on that network, and we're truly thankful for it. Croc Radio and Gray Cloud Radio have us on Mondays as well. Tuesday, it's the Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting Network. Wednesday, it's Gray Cloud Radio. Thursday, it's Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting again. Friday, it's Croc Radio. 
Gray Cloud Radio, Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting, and of course, the PCC Multiverse on the Podcast Radio Network, Friday nights, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Saturday, we're on Gray Cloud Radio as well. Or you can subscribe to one of our channels for downloading, and you always get extra bonus content. And you can do that on Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, the Tangibound Network, the ESO Network, Gun and Geek Network, Player.fm, Mixcloud, and a ton of others as well. So a lot of great options for you to catch our show, and we truly thank you for doing so indeed. Josh, I know you've been following all these financials that Electronic Arts, 2K, Ubisoft, Activision have all been doing, and they've all been starting these catchwords as far as their their games are concerned about the games that they sell and they put out there that are just, okay, we're going to put this game out there and see how many it sells up front. And then there are the games that they put out there that have a lot of attachment and a lot of extra life to it, whether it's through loot boxes, whether it's through microtransactions, whether it's through DLC. The catchphrase now for it, I guess, you know, it's been going around for a while, but the catchphrase for it are that that's come about is called games as a service. And I know Ubisoft recently was the latest one to talk about how much more they make from these games as a service, as opposed to the regular games that they just ship out and just leave out there as far as the, you know, the type of games that, that are just the, maybe the Assassin's Creed or these story or campaign games that they just put out there, or even sometimes downloadable games that they just put out there and they really can't attach a whole lot extra to it. What are your thoughts on these games as a service, uh, you know, in regards to a lot of the mobile, a lot of the PC, and also even the console content that's out there that have a lot of extended future as far as a lot of attachments to it because they seem to be making and generating a lot of money for all these developers and publishers. I am actually surprisingly okay with it i'm not down with loot boxes but you know look at it this way like these games if they're not able to you know they're not charging more money for this stuff now especially with like xbox games pass coming out but you know it's the same thing it's like you know look at movies when movies first came out they were pretty cheap to make i mean at least compared to today's standards they're cheap to make but now as you know people want bigger and better movies are becoming more expensive to make the same thing with games and we've talked about this on the show before is that you know, as you know, video game technology progresses and they have all these new systems, Xbox One X, 4K capabilities, 60 frames per second, as all this stuff's coming out, like we, you know, we want all the new stuff, but we don't want to pay over $60 for it. We barely, especially with stuff on like the Nintendo Switch, I'm, you know, I talk to people barely want to pay, you know, $40 for a game because according to them, it's like, why, you know, why are they going to pay over $60 for an experience that's going to last them four or five hours? But here's why is that we are, you know, it costs more money to make things. So, you know, in in terms of like a game like Mass Effect, I totally get it because look at that game at launch. It was a complete and utter disaster. But if you play it now, from what I understand, it's a completely different experience because all of the patches have been applied and all the uh, mistakes have been remedied. I think that, you know, that's a good thing for developers if they can take they don't have so that way we're not waiting, you know, ten years like Final Fantasy fifteen for a game to come out. Whereas they can make the game, make the basic thing, make it okay to send out to, to retailers, 
And then if there are problems, they can they can keep building on the game as it's as it's out. Granted, it doesn't do much for um, you know post release reviews, but you know look at Prey. Like Prey was you know IGN what gave it like a four when it came out because they're having trouble with the uh, the game freezing on PC. But after they patched that thing, I'm hearing from people now that Prey is one of the best games they played last year. So I think it works in the developers' favor. It looks like at least at this point in time. Games as a service is going to be the service for gamers going forward. What are your thoughts on the concept of games as a service? Do you not really mind it? Do you like it because it enhances and it lengthens the experience for you, even though you still have to keep on putting more money down to get that extended experience? Or is it something that you're going to shy away from and just turn off because of the fact that you just don't like spending any more than the initial 40 to $60 you paid for that video game. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So Josh, I know you've been playing Faye. I know you really just started getting into it. In fact, I know you even did a stream with Chad from Hyperschmidt on it recently. What are your thoughts on Faye, and how good do you really think this game truly is? You know, I bought it yesterday afternoon, kind of played it a few minutes at a time yesterday, and then I sat down with Chad last night, and we played, I probably played it for like four hours. But, you know, it's a it's a good game, man. It's not, you know, it's simple game development at its best, too, because all of, nothing is really refined in this game. Everything is all... It's all polygons, so you don't really have, you know, you don't really have a lot of textures, but you do have a lot of very bright colors, and I think that's one thing that the game has going for it. But also, you don't have to worry about a narrative to drive it forward. It's like you start the game, and you end up in the circle, and you look around. You know who the villains are. You know what you got to do. You just got to run around, and you got to find the stuff that's going to help you beat the game. It's very self-explanatory. And while you're doing it, you know, you're falling into nature. You get the, you hear the music, you hear the streams going, you hear the wind brushing the grass around, and it's very well done, and nothing's overly complicated. There's a lot of frustrating parts to it, but it's nothing that you can't get past. Like today, I probably spent a good two hours trying to climb the back of a giant deer. What I like about it is that they don't make you grind trying to do this, the side quest to get the, uh, you know, the upgrades that there's the upgrades that may or may not help you finish the game the upgrades are kind of optional when it comes to searching for this stuff so if you get stuck you have the option of going back to get these upgrades but you know you can you don't have to and they have an option where you can sing and a bird shows up and he'll show you where to go so it's not it's not an overly complicated game it's fun it's simple it doesn't take a lot of brain power to play it and you know i think that's an experience that consoles have long been missing and the greatest part about it is it's on the nintendo switch so i can kind of take it on the go with me when i'm ready to uh you know when i gotta leave the house it looks very beautiful so like if if any of you guys have gotten a chance to play it we would definitely love to hear your thoughts on it it should be something that a lot of people should have interest in and definitely uh, is a great sign for those that are looking for a cool little indie game as well especially with the nintendo switch that now is the the premier console in the marketplace and definitely something that is sorely needed for a system that is definitely going to be the hottest thing around. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop 
Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Hello, Questers. This is Mandy, the host of Cast Request, inviting you to enjoy our podcast where we explore the rich and vibrant world of Patrick Rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle, soon to be adapted as a major motion picture and television show produced by the award-winning creator of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hungry for more content? Perhaps you will enjoy our recaps of HBO's Game of Thrones, Over the Garden Wall, animated Batman films, or our world-famous fanfiction reads. Whatever you're in the mood for, if you love a good story, humor, impromptu parody songs, and thousands of pop culture references, you'll enjoy our show. You can find Cast Request on SoundCloud, iTunes, and of course, our amazing network, the Earth Station One Network at ESOPodcast.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Super. Super. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Branky here. Are we starting? No! I think we should keep that one. That super BS. Coming in hot, guys. Okay, real quick. Who's across from me? This is uh, Jank Jankerson. Nice. Yeah. And who is next to him? This is your friendly neighborhood, Donna. The professional Dr. Donna. We've got a special guest on. Can you reveal yourself to the audience, please? Mm, Jube. Jube? Vardenfell. Jube Bardenfell. <laughs> sure, Jube Bardenfell. <laughs> Big uh, Elder Scrolls fan, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Is that why you actually chose Bardenfell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's actually what I use for like the, the BS names on everything. Is I just use Jube, the very first character that you meet in the game, and just the name of the way. Uh, that is awesome. I like it. I, I like do it. like that a lot. That's Any pretty great. You say BS name on the BS Games cast. So. <laughs> it is good. That's what we're all about, Super yeah. BS. Um, yeah. For right. those of you listening, we had some cracking going on. We'll we like to shake. add technical yeah. difficulties into our live show so That's that our, <laughs> release the we can keep the suspense going. <laughs> we like people to know what's going on, okay? We're here for the truth and all the truth only. Um, I want to talk to you guys about something before we talk about games. Did you guys watch Altered Carbon? No. 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 Okay. What? Did you see the at CES the booth they had set up? No. They actually had uh, like prosthetic dolls wrapped up in uh, little like um, it, plastic, and I, people they're they're saying that. Let me just interrupt you really <laughs> fast. This there. was the first time interruption, Jared. He's um, a big fan of these. Just interruptions. say that I do this thing where instead of wasting my time watching Netflix shows, I play games to prepare for our podcast. 
Oh, that makes La me <laughs> yeah. I don't watch TV. I'm like a loser. I play video games all day. <laughs> Lottie freaking da. <laughs> um, it was it was interesting. Um, we have, we have a friend who will not watch it because of just how much ridiculous amount of nudity there is in it. But it was uh, it was what's the problem with that? Totally, yeah. It's like HBO levels of that. Sadly, they didn't get the writing staff from an HBO show, so is, is it anything, it's a little weak. Is anything <laughs> like Blade Runner twenty forty nine with Jared Leto and they just show the woman's boobs for like five minutes? It is a, actually that is a great analogy, but it's nowhere near as good as that movie. You know, it seems more interesting than Altered Carbon. Uh, that's not a video game is on Amazon, they have this year a, like a Philip K. Dick show. Electric, like oh, electric, electric Dreams. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I do want to And he's the guy that, that wrote, uh, well, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is Blade Runner. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I right. guess this Altered Carbon was a book, too. I didn't know about it, but it's, uh, I guess it's supposed to be a really good book. Early 2000s. No, it was only really printed on Altered Carbon, yeah. so it was hard to get a hey. hold of. No, I do. <laughs> Let me finish my CES story, though. Okay, They had Sorry. people, they had a booth set up, and pe- they were like, we can prolong your life on uh, through our, our program, whatever it is, on Altered Carbon. And people okay. actually thought that it was real. So there's this big like news stories all over the internet about people saying, so like, the future of human longevity is here. So the news story <laughs> is uh, people are idiots. People uh, are this idiots. is yeah. real big news. news story. <laughs> Super gullible. Super gullible, yep. This is uh, breaking news, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you can live forever. Um, there's a lot of games that came out. Uh... We'll get to you in a second, Jared, my guest, but see what you've been playing. But Donna, what have you been playing since we last saw you, which is two weeks ago now? Um, let's see. In two weeks' time. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything I'm forgetting before I launch into what I've been mostly playing. Well, in two weeks' time, I finished Breath of the Wild. Oh, nice. What yeah. do you think of the end? It's great. Um, you did all the shrines? Did all the shrines. Oh, did so all good. the memories. I did everything. What was the complete time that took you to beat that i don't know how oh, you should check i should have checked they don't tell you the complete time though it's like an estimate yeah it's like five hours. hours or more so yeah so i know when i was about two-thirds of the way through the game i had i was over 55 hours so i'd say probably in the 80 hour range would be my guess the the yeah. sad thing is you don't notice how many hours you're putting no into that not game. at all it's not you a just, sad thing that's like the best yeah. that's it, no like it's the cr- mark of a great game <laughs> yeah yeah it's cool but at the same time you're like man that's a lot of hours of my life same thing with skyrim like i yeah yeah skyrim. but skyrim tells you so. yeah yeah skyrim tells <laughs> you um, and reminds you every yeah. time you save I, but yeah so <laughs> yeah finish day 1874 <laughs> uh, yeah congratulations it was great um i started the dlc and almost blew up my face because it's just it's, it's too much yeah. when you're doing your playthrough of the game yeah because it's it's more of the same in a good way but it's also intentionally more brutal it's because you you start we it like restarts you on those quests weaker you get all of your health and items back but it starts you initially with a quarter of a heart so everything one hit kills you so you have to go through all these strategic hard battles just to unlock these shrines and then the shrines themselves are insane uh like harder than any other shrine in the game type of thing and then there's like 10 hours more of that so it's 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 you know if i had beaten breath of the wild six months before it came out and then was like oh i really want to go back and play more the dlc would be perfect but when you're in the middle of like, I just finished 120 shrines, I'm ready to finish this game. And it's like, here's here's like a huge chunk of challenging content. It's just not, I, I'll come back to it. Um, so yeah, I finished that. I've uh, continued my Elder Scrolls Online 
uh, stable building. So I just want to let you guys know I have a max speed mount now, which is great. Real um, quick, because you brought up Elder Scrolls, and we got a guest here who seems to like the Elder Scrolls. Did you play Elder Scrolls Online? I actually just got it with the Morrowind expansion. Good. Oh, yeah, I think you'll like it. It's on great. PC? PC. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we've I've talked about it to death on here because I've been playing yeah. it. It was like one of the it was like the main game I was playing for a couple months. So it's great. Um, right now I'm I'm like cooled off on it, but I still log in for just certain dailies and things like that that you can do. Do you still have to just put one point into your mount or something like that once a day? Yeah, okay. it's, it's every twenty hours. <laughs> I mean, it's most games don't even give you like a how like make your mount faster type of thing. So it's like. Yeah, I just thought it was, I mean, it's a lot of work. Like, it's yeah. something like you got to remember, okay, every day I need to log in, put a point in this mount, and then I'll, it doesn't really, you know, yeah. log out. It, yeah. Um, and uh, let's see. So the main game I've been playing in the last couple of weeks is Dragon Quest Builders on Switch. Excited about that. You yeah. thinking about reviewing that? Yeah. Nice. It's really fun. It is not just a Minecraft game. Uh, that is actually like a third of it. There is, it's like there's an exploring factor to it. It's a little more robust than Minecraft. And then there is a tower defense mechanic to it. So um, is there a story that kind of there is a story? A story is a classic Dragon Quest story. It's hilarious. It's not super in-depth, but it's it's like fun. Um, Are you have you finished the first act? Because the game I know is broken up into four acts. How did you feel when you moved on to the next part and you started? Essentially from scratch. I would have hated if I kept everything. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because it's because what happens is is you go to an entirely new land with entirely different everything. So it's like in the first act, I was building essentially like a castle base, like stone walls, obsidian walls. I was building like defense shields and doing quests that were oriented around that as well as like building a lot of metal weapons, trying to go out and, and find all sorts of hidden quests all over. If you dig, like Breath of the Wild style, like the knock obviously is big on yeah. the level of Breath of the Wild, but very much like if you look at your map and you're like, oh, that's a weird shaped looking rock. I'm going to go to that. There's usually something there. Something worth going to um, and, uh, they, uh, and so I was doing that. Your first main boss is this big golem and he tries to wreck your base. So you have to build the these shields. One? Yeah, so you have, to, you have to build these shields to deflect his shots. Um, and then the second world is this, like, poison swamp where you build everything. Like, the best thing to build out of is wood. I'm, like, planting trees for defense. I'm, like, building ballistas for the boss fight. So it's, like, a totally different thing. Um, and what's cool about it is that every, every act... So there is a free build mode that you unlock after the first act. Um, and that's where you, that's where it's more Minecraft, where it's like unlimited what you can do. Um, you have an island, and then you unlock uh, an island for each of the main chapters of the game, and that's where you can dig all your resources from, and you can reset them so you never run out of resources. Um, but there's certain like recipes, blueprints, and things that you unlock for the for the free play mode by completing challenges in the main game. So. The best thing that they've done for Switch is that in the PlayStation and Vita version of this game, there was time time challenges. Okay. So you had to complete the chapter in 20 days or 30 days. Oh, that's kind of a bummer. It's, it's rough. So in this game, they got rid of those, and now they're like collection-based. But there are other challenges that are quest-based, like go kill the three hidden dragons, go do this kind of thing. And it makes it so it's like now you can build flame weapons in, in free play mode, basically, and like things like that. So that's really fun. And... Uh, 
and yeah, it's it's quirky. It's filled with Dragon Quest style humor, um, like I already mentioned. And the Minecraft aspect of it is really fun. Looks better than Minecraft, obviously. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you you the the pacing of it is fun because you basically go out and gather specific things on quests for all of the main characters in your village. Then you defeat a wave of monsters. You get new villagers, and they give you new quests to go to explore different parts of the world. Um, and then you get new materials, and you slowly upgrade. And it's basically like you're building a tower or you're building a base that you're going to defend against. So that's kind of the main flow of the main game. That, um, that sounds pretty awesome. And you had one other game you've been playing, right? This yeah, week? I started playing the Radiant Historia remake. Do you, do you want to get into that in the news as well? Because there's a lot to it. Or do you want to talk a little bit about it right now? Uh, I mean, I guess it's... I guess it would be one and the same. Um, we can talk. We can talk the news thing about it now too. Um, this is going to be a little bit hefty, but this is about a game that he was really excited for, Radiant Historia, and some stuff has been altered. Yeah. So Atlas released a remake for Radiant Historia, which is probably in the modern era would definitely be like top ten Japanese role playing games. Like it's easily one of the best. It's the only. That's not true. It is one of two games who have, that have been lauded as, oh, if you liked Chrono Trigger, you'll like this. It is only there's only two games that actually compare. What what's the other one? Blue Dragon. Oh, okay. Blue Dragon is literally a spiritual successor because it's made by the same people. Doesn't that comparison get made a lot though? It does, and that's why I'm saying this is the, there's only two games where it actually is true: Radiant Historia, Blue Dragon. Um, yeah, Blue Dragon had the same artist, right? The Dragon same Ball artist, guy? same story, same designer, same music. Well, part of the same music. Because um, the Final Fantasy guy did some of Chrono Trigger's music. But uh, it's like it's basically the same team, like same yeah. dream team of people as Chrono Trigger was. Radiant Historia is a time travel based game like Chrono Trigger, but it's actually <laughs> really great. It's this really kind of like. Dude, is everyone like just checking out today? <laughs> no, no, no. We're here. <laughs> um, but uh, are we are we having technical difficulties? No, we're we're doing fine. All right, it seems. Now we're just checking on the live streams. We're um, trying to get a live. It seems like we're still stuff. getting dialed in. That's all. Just, no, just, we're we're doing fine. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's like a really dark kind of foreboding game. It's got music from Yoko Shimamura. You know, Secret of, or Legend of Mana, Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy Fifteen. It's got a really great soundtrack. It had a really interesting art direction in the original, which they have scrapped for this remake to instead make it a more generic, boobs-friendly, tales of bullshit kind of style game. What does boobs-friendly entail? They gave the like one of the main female characters significantly larger boobs okay. in the redraw. All right. Um, and then they gave the other really unique female character long, like long blonde hair instead of this like short, but like you. You could this new version of the character would blend into literally any any Japanese role playing game. So like you would fan service. Fan service. Okay. Whereas the original one you could pick out of a crowd, like, oh, that's a unique design. Yeah. So they made a lot of these changes and I don't know who they made them for. I don't know if it's really kota it's really otaku pandering. Because there's a fan service event that you can download for it as well. Oh, where nice. they go to a hot springs like every freaking fan service event. Um so it's there's some bad. <laughs> I love this. I just love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's serious. There's like a DLC awesome. fan service event, That's and ridiculous. they added a J Rock song to the intro, which is so disorienting because when you start playing the game 
and everyone starts talking about mankind almost dying and you're like it's very it's pretty like serious very like melancholy atmosphere so coming into it from this like j-rock intro is the stupidest thing because it totally conflicts they added voice acting to it which was yeah. probably a mistake it's not as bad as it could have been though um, but it's just super unnecessary um it all sounds to me though just like they wanted to make more money like yeah. and they thought like uh, there's an anime that came out a year or two ago your name do you guys I mentioned this to Don in the car. Is that um, is that the one where they switch bodies? They switch bodies, okay. yeah. And just real quick, they added like a pop punk song to that, and did a few other things, and that is like one of the highest grossing anime films ever. So, yeah, but see, I feel like a game like this, a re-release on 3DS, which has a massive install base, yeah. but is also an old system. I feel like the reasons that Radiant Historia like struck a chord and has like a cult following following, they just got rid of all that stuff. I don't think it's going to work because all of those like otaku people, they're just going to p- play tales of Bresteria <laughs> over and over again. Like they're going to go for the like, <laughs> al- game of the year. they're going to yeah. go for the altelier games, the games that are like part dating sim, part RPG. Like Perso- they, they're, like they're persona. They're, would, that, would that be classified? Yeah, but it's different. It's different different than like the Altelier games, which are very specifically that. Um, Like, there's those games exist for those types of gamers, and this game has such like a like a heavy atmosphere to it, and it has not. It's not like a yeah. Anyway, so I I don't think that it's going to strike that chord. Like, I doubt it's going to be selling well with all those like otaku fans because it's just not that kind of game even though they've repainted it so that it looks a little bit more like generic otaku boobs friendly and more anime feeling, I don't think that's going to really change its fa- like the fans of it. And those are some complaints. The game itself is still really fun. It's got a really unique battle system that's grid-based um, and turn-based, and um, enemies appear on a 3x3 by, uh, three by three grid, and you basically... Uh, can hit them into each other. You can hit them into each other, and then you can strike combos where you hit multiple enemies at once. So you get all these like setups. The characters develop moves that are like push left, push forward, or push not push forward, push backwards. So you can like, you know, if an enemy is in the top right, you can push him all the way to the back, and he'll do less damage to you when he attacks you. Or if you want to line him up with all the other enemies, you can push him down with an attack and then the next person can push them over and then they'll all get knocked back and then everyone can attack them at once. So it's pretty fun on the battlefront. And then the time travel mechanics um, are interesting because you play in two parallel timelines where when you progress in one timeline, you'll reach walls where you can't progress any further. But then if you go to the other timeline and play through, it's like you'll find someone and save them and then in the next time, the previous timeline, they'll make bombs for you to blow up something. So there's a lot of like that, and it's great because you basically can't miss anything either, which is, makes it fun. It's an easy game to like totally complete, get all the best endings and stuff. They've added additional content to this game. I don't know if that's gonna be good or not. Uh, I know they've added a new party member character that looks whatever, just like a cheesy anime character. Um, but what's cool is they give you two options for play in the game where you can play the perfect mode, which integrates all of the new content, and then you can play the original mode, which they recommend for people that have never played it before to play it through the original way, and it excludes all that content in the initial playthrough, which is pretty fantastic. The last thing that's cool they've done 
is they've eliminated, uh, I haven't gotten to where you can do this yet, but basically you can eliminate trash mobs instead of having to, if you're going to grind, yeah. instead of having to go into battle and like, you know, blow through a bunch of trash mobs for experience, you can actually just kill them on the map in one hit. It's him with sword. Yeah. I'm assuming it, it's probably power based. Like once you reach a certain level above enemies, it counts them as, cause there's other games that do that. Yeah. Like a uh, blue dragon does that. Um, where there's a thing you can unlock late game where uh, you basically, if you walk up to an enemy and use like a activate like a button, you can just kill the enemy, get the experience and AP without actually going into a fight. Oh, you just nice. have to be, I think you have to be 10 or 15 levels higher than it. So it works once you reach a certain level of strength. I'm assuming it's similar to that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. It's overall, it's a very disappointing because it's the the changes are disappointing. Where it's like, ah, oh, you've took you've taken the soul of it, and you've altered it in a non good way. Which is like the main reason that game resonates. If you read anyone that talks about it, the reasons they love it are like the things they've changed. So that's that's why I wonder if it'll actually sell more or sell it all. Like this is a three DS game, correct? It yeah. is. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's also a big problem. I think. Like, yeah, but I think that it's I think that it's the... easy for people that like are current to be like i don't want to play anything that's not on my most current thing but i think there's a lot of people that don't really care and yeah i just think like atlas um you know i don't want to dive diverge into this too much but atlas is releasing three games on 3ds this year and to me it's it's just insane like yeah. the 3ds is seven years old we have a switch they've like I don't know. To me, it's... But I think there's a couple things to it. One is that most of these games were in development before the Switch was even announced. So, and then two, there's like banking on the idea if the Switch was going to be successful. I mean, if a game is built, typically the games that are built for 3DS are still somewhat dual screen dependent, although they could be easily altered, I think. This is a game that could easily be altered. Yeah. Like, Um, I remember playing it and thinking like, okay, there's, you know, you can look at stuff. (laughs) How difficult is it to port something from 3DS to I Switch? I mean, we don't, it, we don't know. I haven't done it personally. So. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, like, before, has anything like that ever been? I, nothing yet. No, I mean, okay. I don't think there's been a DS to or 3DS to Switch game that I yeah. know of. There, um, this would be a good one to port to Switch. Yeah, it would be awesome. But it would be just great if it was more like the original. original. It'd be cool when they make games like this if yeah. they allowed you to just switch back and forth. Yeah. What's, and what's what I was going to say, just to wrap up this little Radiant Historia rant, um, it's jarring when you juxtapose the really anime upgrades that are stupid next to the actual atmosphere of the game. Because once you start, once you get control of your main character in the first city and start walking around, it plays the like really melancholy music. The atmosphere like changes to this like it's kind of like dark and kind of heavy and kind of like you know like it's got a very like striking feel to it. But when right before it's like oh I was just staring at this like portrait character's like huge boobs while she was talking and there was a J Rock song and then all of a sudden it's like now it's serious and people are gonna die and all this is gonna happen. So it's like <laughs> it's a little like the music change eyes up. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a cha- it's like it's weird in that sense where it kind of shifts atmosphere on you with all these anime upgrades. So it's like, yeah, that's uh, that's a whole nother. You know, because like when you play a Tales game, like it's cheesy and stupid the entire time. Like it's like, you know, it's like rarely this like dark serious game. It's like yeah. you know, like lazy fifteen year old with amnesia kind of thing. And, and there's people that love that, but it's like. 
it's a very specific atmosphere, which is consistent. I mean, there's a reason that Tales games are so popular. So having this kind of jarring juxtaposition where it's like, let's try and get this market or something, it makes it for like a weird experience. Kind of like Luke Skywalker throwing his lightsaber back in Last Jedi, you know, like. It was cool. You know, cool and rad. Like, it's like, oh, Star Wars, this. And then it's like, let's inject Marvel humor into it. So, yeah. Is that like how they're like, hey, he's a hologram, but we're still going to have him go underneath Kylo Ren's lightsaber? <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to uh, spoil that right away. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> Anyways, well, I want our guest. He hasn't got to say much. What What have you been playing, man? Jared? Uh, I mainly just been... I've thank been you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tried to play like Destiny 2 and some, some other games, but I just keep going back to the older games that I've been playing, which is mainly Rocket League, uh, Ark, Survival Evolved. And PUBG. Okay, so we never talk about most of these games just because most of them are multiplayer or survival games. Uh, tell us a little bit about Ark. Um, Ark is super fun. It's really buggy still. Um, yeah. What do you play it on? I play it on PC. Okay. I only have a PC now. Did you... Yeah, PC Master Race. Yeah, yeah, PC Master Race all the way. Did you get Scorched Earth, the I didn't get Scorched Earth. No, it's uh, it's a little bit much. They came out with a, uh, a map. There's a bunch of uh, developers that did it for free. They like um, There's a bunch of modded maps, too. One of them that they came out with was Ragnarok, and it had all of the creatures from Scorched Earth, which kind of took away why I would buy it, I guess. Okay. Because um, I heard that it's kind of a grind because um, you're in this harsh desert and you have to So really what, what is the loop for Ark? I actually don't really... I, I played it once, but I know you have to keep getting food and sleeping or whatever. Like, what, what, do, you, what do you do? Maybe that's not true even. But so what there's not like a huge storyline to it. There's... um. Uh, it's mainly just survival, just like Minecraft, but at the okay. same time, it's, it's it gets a little bit more advanced and then you have these uh, these big... Orbs, um, I forget the official name for them, but there's different colors. One of them's kind of north, and then there's one kind of south, east, okay. and southwest. Um, and then you have to get all these unique items, like when you kill like a, an alpha of a particular creature, which is like 10 times more powerful than the original, like an alpha of T-Rex or something like that. Okay. You get all these specific items, and then uh, you put them all in there, and then you get to boss fights. Each one of them has a unique boss fight. Okay, that's kind of cool. What happens once you do all three of them? So once you do the boss fights, each boss, they're uh, different in each one of the orbs, and you get, um, what is it, element? Okay. And those are used to, to build this entire different tier of uh, stuff called uh, tech, tech tier. So you end up going from, like, cloth clothes to, like, hide to, like, uh, chitin armor to metal to then tech after that, which is, well, actually, there's how, riot. In there. How long does it take to, like, do something like that? So I don't play on official servers. Okay. Uh, official servers are actually so slow that even the uh, the game makers have kind of admitted it's it's a little bit too much of a grind. Okay, uh, I was about to say you mean so slow as in like performance or so slow as in like I mean like if mechanics for like a Giganotosaurus, which is like a T Rex, except it's a little bit bigger. Um, I think it takes like. I don't know. I, on the official servers, I want to say it takes like a week or even to more respawn or to, to just tame it. Oh my goodness! Okay. To just knock it down. It takes so many resources just to actually knock it unconscious, and then you have to have a ton of narcotics to like keep it asleep while you're taming it, which you put food in its inventory in order to like tame it. It's 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 a huge grind. It takes yeah. forever, and you have to be pretty much online the whole time while you're doing that because you have to protect it from other creatures from attacking it. Oh my god, it's too much. So I'm actually on unofficial servers that still have like battle eye to keep from cheating, but it's uh, um, they're they're increased by quite a bit. And, and so, say you get all this armor. Uh, my biggest thing, and the reason why I don't really play a lot of survival games, isn't it possible for s another human player to come kill you and steal all your junk? So I play PVE. Okay. 
Okay. Um, is that there's, like an there's option? also PvP, oh, okay. which is is yeah, that's why I don't play PvP because okay. it's a little bit I don't know. There's all kinds of uh, different people that play it a little too much. Like I don't have that much spare time. Yeah. Where they're on all the time and then they just wipe out everything that you've been spending months on building. And then you have to Jeez. start over. Sounds like Eve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Eve. Yeah, where you buy the giant spaceship and then you lose. But that's real money. That is sick. Eve. Ugh, whatever. <laughs> Eve doesn't have to be real money, though. But a lot of people do spend yeah. real yeah. money. And sorry. <laughs> we most, just, people, most people doing those free-to-play games, they end up spending a bunch and of money. And they buy, like, literally, you've heard of, like, $1,000 ships that somebody buys. And then a group Clash, of... Eve's not free-to-play, though, right? You have to buy it. I, I think, think it might be free now. Eve? Okay. But it was at once a purchase game. Right. Eve, it's like a spaceship. Space. No, I, I know. Is it... People still play that? Because that's... I think so. people still play it. Do they? That's, like, one of the sites. Yeah. I mean, you. I hear... There's like, <laughs> we like I read reports all the time of like the ma- the biggest like heist has happened in Eve history where it's like somebody schemed to steal like two million dollars yeah. worth of ships Jeez. and stuff. And that stuff sounds cool, but I wouldn't want to be the one who's like paying the real money. <laughs> it's a game I'll never play in my life, yeah. but I'm fascinated to hear game. about. <laughs> yeah, it's a game that's cool to read about. Like the like so Ark. One of the things that I I almost bought it because it came out on Xbox uh, two years ago on my birthday. I was like, oh, I want to get this. It's Thirty bucks. Um, and I played the demo because Xbox for games early access let you play like for an hour, but the, the reason I always want to play these games is because you hear about those cool stories. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure you have, like, a story or two of, like, did you tame a T-Rex or uh Yeah, that's, it's really fun. You, um, there's also, like, uh, Wevern pits and stuff like that where you have okay. to train to pretty much get them to follow you to get them all out of there. Cause Do they fly? you try to fight them, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Can you fly on them? Yeah. Oh, wow, that is really cool. Pretty much every single one of the creatures, unless they're too small, you can ride them. Like that's So awesome. once you, once you tame cool. them, you can ride each one of them. And that's that's a probably the biggest part of the game they the the game makers made a game mode where you can't have any tames like okay. well you can have tames but you can't ride them and it kind of seems pointless because that's yeah. like 90 percent of the game can you have like two sorry and i'm asking all the questions but i'm curious do you can you have two people on any of these like mount Some like could you have like a buddy and they could jump there's on a, it? there's a particular flying one uh tapajera that has like three different uh, mounts on it and you could fly around on oh, it. Oh, that sounds cool. Um, but are you there can also, a lot of them, you can actually grab people and carry them. <laughs> in like the, uh, so there aren't sidecars for your dinosaurs? <laughs> <laughs> Side dinosaurs, you attach to that. Yeah, we got some cool uh, poltergeist-style lighting in the background. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. What, and you mentioned Rocket League. Most Have you guys got a chance to play it, Donna? Jank? Uh, Rocket League? I am notoriously bad at Rocket League. I am notoriously never playing Rocket League. <laughs> it's good. It has good. a hard learning curve a little bit. It's sometimes. fun. It just looks boring. It me. is. It is really it fun. Looks it looks really is a game boring, you but it's but actually really fun. Yeah, like yeah. it doesn't. It, you'd think like, oh, it's just soccer, but Super it's simplistic. so much fun. Yeah. Like, I just couldn't. St- I mean, it's not a game I would play every day. But when I, you have friends over, it's. Fun. I played it and I liked it at first, but by the time I had time to go back to it, everyone had already gotten so good at it yeah. that I didn't even bother playing <laughs> anymore. Multiplayer game. Well, it yeah. usually plays like within your. Uh, ability, especially if you play like um, uh, competitive, you earn a certain rank. So even if you've played like a thousand hours and you're absolutely terrible, yeah. and you do competitive, if you're really low rank, then you'll just face people that are okay. around your ability. And the third game you talked about is PUBG. I've talked a little bit about that on the show, but what is what's your experience been with the game? Um, it's a hard game to get decent at. It seems like I mean you can get a kill here and there. Do you um, play squads or solos or? I usually play. Um, a little bit of both, actually. It's pretty duo. It's just kind of whoever's on okay. Steam Your on friends. that day when I'm playing. But um, when I play solo, I usually just end up sneaking around the whole time. Okay. But when I'm with a duo or a squad, we end up being a little bit more aggressive. Okay. But it's pretty fun. 
yeah, man, that's a that's a great game. I enjoyed it. And you, real quick, because I don't want to, I want to like ask you one more thing. You, your name that you said was an Elder Scrolls game. What is your favorite of the three? Uh, say from Morrowind to Skyrim, which one did you have the most fun playing? Um, the most fun playing, I think, was still Morrowind. That's still my favorite. That's for most of my friends. That's the same. I yeah. I have to say Skyrim. I was never able to get past the jank. But uh, in Morrowind, it is a janky, jank, jank game. I, I think maybe it's just when you play it at the time, like any of the old school games, it's hard to go back to like yeah. an old school NES yeah. game that you never actually played. Yeah. I always bring this up. I hate how you can't tell you're hitting somebody. Yeah, that's the rat, <laughs> the rat quest in yeah. Balmora, right? They yeah. send you to the place and you try to kill the rat. Well, it should make it should make like a swoosh noise, <laughs> it, it, but I mean, you're like. Still, your, your sword's like clipping through the yeah, creature, and yeah. you're like, miss. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like uh, a Paul said PUBG, what up? So it seems yeah. like people really like that. Thank well, it's, you, Paul. it beat all kinds of records on Steam for uh, consecutive players. But I, I've heard that Fortnite, you know, the free like rip-off game is... It. Yeah, that's but crazy. It's, it's because it? it's, it's free. free. PUBG, was, they tried to sue Fortnite? Wasn't there something going they on did. with that? How like, can they sue them, though? It's Epic. They yeah, are the licensee of Epic. So. Yeah. And they're also not like the original... Of that kind of game type, anyways, yeah. Either, that's so. like H1Z1 or not even that. That's DayZ, uh, right? Arma. I think Mario Arma. Brothers. Arma, Mario Brothers. Mario Kart, <laughs> uh, 100 carts, enter an island. You have battle mode. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great <laughs> game. You have 100 carts battle mode. It's on Block Fortress only. It's just uh, like one, one guy's turtle will just take out at least like 50 <laughs> people. Uh, oh, yeah. man. Did you get to play the Skyrim? Uh, Donna's, or actually, you played it now recently too. The Skyrim expansion where you go to Morrowind. Uh, I actually have uh, a little bit. I haven't played all that much. Dragonborn? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Dragonborn. You liked it a lot, right? Yeah, it's great. I didn't play either of the expansions, either the vampire one or that, but I do want to play Dragonborn. I've heard nothing good about the vampire one. Yeah, Uh, yeah, the vampire one's fun. It's just what it is. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, you know, it came on twice. I always had vampires and... I don't like vampires in Elder Scrolls. I don't know why I never got into those quest lines. I don't lines. think I they the original were in many of them. Yeah, they? they're in all of them. They do? Yeah, yeah. you can be a vampire in uh, Morrowind, too. In Morrowind, there's actually three different clans of vampires, and depending which one yeah. you got vampires uh, are a thing. infected by, Same really? with werewolves, you get different yeah. abilities. I remember the werewolves from Obliv... No, 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 from Skyrim. Skyrim <laughs> that was the only yeah. one, because you had to do the Fire's Guild quest, yeah. and then you could choose to not be one, which well, one I chose. In the vamp- the vampire expansion on uh, Skyrim, you if you were already a werewolf, like you open up and the guy gives you the opportunity. He's like, do you want to be a vampire? If you don't, I'm going to kick you out of this castle, and we're going to be enemies. And I'm like, I want to be a werewolf still. And then just could you be a vampire <laughs> werewolf? A hybrid? Whoa. That would be kind of like Because cool. they have two trees, right? Yeah. That you could I, go down? I always play like a good character, so I never... So what was your choice in that? Nothing? Neither, yeah. <laughs> you can choose to just be neither? You I think yeah, you usually end up liking a vampire. a clean, regular player. Yeah. If you, if you can be, that. if you have to become a vampire in Dawnbreaker, which I don't think you do, okay. then you can cure it at the end of the quest. Because that's what you could do in Fire's Guild. And yeah. they added crossbow, right, in that? Because I remember that being like a cool thing. Like yeah, you get a crossbow maybe. and that was like... The yeah, best cool. the best Elder Scrolls DLC is still Oblivion. It's still oh, uh, uh, Mad- Shivering Isles yeah, Shivering and Knights of the Oh, yeah, that yeah. was really good. Those Shivering are the best. Miles. That was awesome. I would... I think when I sure, when I look back, I think I like Oblivion more than Skyrim, but... Uh, it just the towers were yeah. so hard. I hate Skyrim it was hate just repetitive. Quests. Yeah. Oblivion, uh, I didn't like the level list as much. Like, you, well, once you got to a certain level, you never saw another Fire Antronach. You never saw another Yeah, creeper. so Oblivion yeah. Oblivion has more mechanical problems. I'm talking about 
from a person who knows about Elder Scrolls lore and likes yeah. Elder Scrolls games, yeah. I think Oblivion is the best one. It was but good. I think that Skyrim is a better game. Like I'm, I'm more likely yeah. to play around in Skyrim than I am in Oblivion. Or you could play Sky Oblivion. Yeah. If it ever comes is, that, out. is that is that out? And no. And no. no. Skywind too. Skywind like, is like forever in alpha. Yeah. Yeah. I've literally like, been following that for like uh, probably uh, yeah. four years. I think I was reading about it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think because because it's like the time it takes place in the quests. The main the main quest is fun in Oblivion. It's just not fun because of the leveling system. Because it caps you out way too fast, where you get you stop getting yeah. stronger, monsters get, keep getting stronger. You just have to run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just have to run through all of the Oblivion gates. In in Oblivion, I remember getting cornered a lot, and I just was oh, not strong enough to my. fight people. So I climb up on like arches and stuff, yeah. and I just shoot arrows. Shoot at arrows. Them. It takes. Like, I just, I'll, I'll yeah. never forget the first time I played Oblivion and was just wandering the gra- like the pretty grassy yeah, fields, cool. and came across a Minotaur. It was like, yeah. Yeah, and then Shivering Isles is the greatest There's thing. There's so ever. many great things about Oblivion. Sadly, I think the main quest is the worst. Uh, like playing. Maybe story-wise it's good. Yeah, I think the main quest Paul is Paul says, cool. every time I play Oblivion, I always end up on the first quest with 50 <laughs> hours <laughs> played. I definitely understand yeah. that. Kavach is forever yeah. under so the, the, way, the, way, the way you have to play Oblivion is you have to play the main quest right first, away. First, yeah, or else they, otherwise it gets they get too impossible. Hard. Oh, but yeah. the, the huge yeah. battle at the end with like the giant titans, yeah, basically. Cool. With, it is. Yeah. It's cool. I just hated like my first time playing. I did not do that. Exactly. And so I had to restart the game because the, all the Oblivion gates were too hard. Yeah. Couldn't See, run these, them at these are other reasons why I like PC. Yeah. Is because you can always <laughs> add in mods that rebalance things <laughs> rather than waiting for the yeah. game maker to <laughs> may or may not actually make yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. PC Master okay. Race. There we go. Hey, Jank, so what have you been playing, man? Okay, so I've been playing at your uh, request or insistence, actually. I got the Xbox Games Pass. Oh, um, nice. Cool. I you should have because you own like two games. Uh, let know. the record show. <laughs> I trade two video games. I trade. Well, see, here's the thing: I buy a lot of games, and then in order to play something new, I have to trade like three or four of okay. the games that I bought. Totally understand, but that's a stupid idea. But anyways, we were trying to do <laughs> a Twitch stream, <laughs> like we were gonna play. Oh, let's all play Vermintide. It was a free game on Xbox Live. Let's go and Twitch stream this. So for you people out there listening and watching, we wanted to do something cool. But he neither this got the free gold <laughs> game nor kept any multiplayer games. This is so. this is Brian. Anytime you do something he doesn't agree with, that's stupid, man. <laughs> I'm not saying that's stupid. I'm just saying just it saying is it's stupid. stupid. Okay, yeah, well I agree dumb. with myself. I agree with my past self. It is um, stupid. Continue no, with what you're playing. I uh, I played um, last night. I booted up uh, Recore. Okay. It, it's, oh yeah. We're gonna play that. It looks cool. It's, it's like it's, it's been on sale for ten bucks. It's yeah. on, I think it's worth. Well, the I'm, try. I'm playing it for free with the Xbox Games Pass. Okay. But uh, cool. You know, I'm like I'm about ten minutes into it. It's 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 all right so far. And, but there was one game you were playing more than ten minutes. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I played. Um, I, I got Fable Anniversary because I always wanted nice. to play that back on 360. Uh, but that you know, came it's pronounced Fable, right? Fable. <laughs> it's French. Sur la table. Um, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> it's French, but it was made L- in the UK. Leon Head. Um. Lionhead. Lion. Yeah, so back yeah, in the, the UK version is just a front because they know people hate French games. So. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. In France. It's true. If they the really shell want, company. It's yeah. like a small apartment. If they really want people to play, they'd say it was American, and then nobody would play at all. But um, yeah. they. Uh, so back when the Xbox 360 era came to an end, I wanted to play that game. I just never got around to it. Uh, you, but you played it though, right? I, in the original. Yeah, no, I played the original, and see the the anniversary. It still feels like an Xbox game. Like it's it's. You know, it's got its like glitches and like the sound has issues and stuff, but it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I uh, I've I forgot like what a grind it is to start the game. 
Oh, there's um, a lot of story that you have to get through? You have to do the build-up. Like, the, the whole prologue section takes you probably about two hours to get through. You have to do, like, the... When you're a kid? When you're a kid, you have okay. to go cl- uh, do good deeds to get your sister the birthday present, and then you have to go yeah. through the training and all that, and then you have to do, like, the uh, the preliminary quest to show you, like, how the mechanics work. And, uh, yeah, so I, I did all that, and that right now I'm in Bowerstone, Bower- I want to say. Bowerstone's first... in two also, right? Is yeah. it in all three? Are they all in the same universe? I don't actually. They are. Oh, they are. Oh, thanks for being an a-hole. So I'm in. I'm in Bower, so I'm just collecting quests. I forgot that a lot of these quests they're not like systematic. They they go around and you um, it's you collect the quests and you you do them as you progress through the game. So like I forgot that that I have OCD, so I like to go get one (laughs) and go finish it and then come back and turn it in get another one. Yeah, so you can't just do a bunch and then turn them all in. You can. That's okay. the thing. But like, I I usually like to you like, like wasting but time. But personally, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> personally, personally, I can't. That's why I have such trouble with Assassin's Creed games. Um, but no, that that game it, it's it's fun. It feels like an Xbox game. I wouldn't like go out of your way to play it unless you're like really obsessed with Fable. But uh, as for other games I've been playing, I busted out. I know we were talking about this earlier. Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition. Oh, nice. Um, right out of the pocket. Right Whoopee. out of the pocket. How is I, it? I have some complaints like I <laughs> when they when they first talked about it at E3 right they showed us that video and I was expecting it to be like a miniature version of Final Fantasy 15 isn't that what it is though no they took That's out right. a lot of the things that make Final Fantasy 15 fun like the ability to explore and like the I heard you get you get more of that back but it is mostly on rails yeah, I mean it's a yeah. phone game. I, but the, I thought yeah, it was just going to be the story. I thought it was probably like, just doesn't have enough memory to throw. In yeah, that's yeah. that's what I was thinking. But I like I I miss the um the diners. Like that's what one of my favorite parts is going in the diners, getting the yeah, hunts. Oh, yeah, yeah that's cool. But they don't do that. They give you some hunts, but it's like everything that you do on the side is marked as a side quest. So you get like three side quests per city you stop in. Okay. And then you just play through the story. So I'm. I'm debating whether or not I want to finish it, but it's uh, one thing that does bother me is playing on a phone. Like, yeah, it's like Dr. Donna had it right yeah. when you were talking about the uh, Switch version. Maybe I'll, I'll wait it, till that. I hope that comes out. I think it would be the right move by Square Enix, especially because Switch has... Say Square Enix. Square Enix. <laughs> uh, Square Enix. Um, especially because like there are already a ridiculous amount of phone games on Switch. Like It doesn't seem like it's a hard thing to port. Like Voez and... Just uh, call it in. Just call, hey, Square, could you put that? Can you press the button and get that on Switch real quick? Uh, please. please. Please, just for us. Anything else? Um, no, that's it right now. I'm, I, you know, we're, we're probably going to talk about Kingdom Come Deliverance, but I'm, oh, yeah. I'm waiting to get my hands on that one. Um, yeah, I'll bring up that stuff before we get to the news, actually, uh, what's been going on with us. Um, I'll tell you what I've been playing real wait, quick. Wait, wait, wait. What have you been playing? Gosh darn it. I was hoping I was going <laughs> to escape that. Um, I'll try to run through this because I've actually played quite a bit. I kickstarted a game called Aegis Defenders. Do you guys know this? Like, Heard tower- of it. Yeah, it looks really cool. Um, tower defense, uh, platforming game. Uh, the tower defense sections are awesome. Right now, you, I have two characters. You can switch between them. One guy builds turrets. The other person can lay bombs and has a gun and a bow and arrow. And the guy has a hammer or a shovel. And you can get currencies by doing really good at the waves and not letting things get hurt. And by you use these currencies to upgrade your characters. The art is outstanding. And the 2D pixel art is also great. The music is really, really good as well. But I'm not a big tower defense guy. I don't know about you guys. What was that game on the Kinect? Remember when you had to knock towers down? I didn't play like any Kinect games. Tower Crashers, I think it was called. My brother plays that a lot. I actually have never played it, though. 
Yeah, I so it's it's cool. I played a little bit. I also picked up Owlboy. We've been talking about that a lot, and I was like, How, I should get it. Um, did you play it? How is it? I, I played for about an hour, so I can't speak too much to it. Because that's played for about an owl. An owl. An owl. <laughs> owl. That has owl the owl the level like. designs like Sonic, right? Where you go down into like crevices and stuff, and you got to give kind us of your best analogy about it. <laughs> no more puns. This is an anti-pun. I'll think pie. about it. <laughs> no. Um. So I haven't got to the part where I think the game opens up, and if it doesn't open up, then it is a strange linear game where there's a hub world, but it kind of sends you to these points. Hmm. So I had I had read that it was kind of like Metroidvania. So I expect at some point I'll be able to travel back and get stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's really beautiful. Again, pixel art. Uh, but like really well done, like almost hand-drawn looking pixel art. Like it's like between hand-drawn sprites and pixel art stuff. But uh, I also have been playing um, this game that Donna already beat, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. I picked up 1.5 and 2.5 on PS4 during the holiday break, and I finally got around to Birth by Sleep. I'm playing through Terra, which is like the cool dude. Um, And it's pretty fun. The story is really hard to sit through. I think, did we talk about that on this podcast yeah yeah i i mean you guys probably heard enough about it it is it's 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 cringeworthy most of the dialogue is settle in is cringeworthy because ventus is worse i that's what you said i so i'm right now i've finished like five of the worlds because they're all really short that's one great thing about the game the worlds are maybe 20 to minutes to an hour um but i'm at like the olympus coliseum which every game has and i'm doing like these challenges for some odd reason somebody decided to be a good idea to make them timed and they decided to give you very little time window. That's my favorite part of the game. So, <laughs> favorite part of the game. So I'm I have probably played this same thing to try to beat the Tin Waves about ten times. So I've since put it down for a little bit because I am frustrated to no end. Just want to make it known that I did not struggle oh, with okay. this part. So. Oh, nice! Never <laughs> struggled. Did Brian's, it perfectly. Brian sucks no, at games. There's parts so. of the game. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think what I did in those games was I kind of like like blitz grinded the command boards for a little bit, and then was just okay. I was overpowered so the thing for me is once i get a so the game has a really cool leveling up system for your attacks once i get a move up to the max level which is three or four at least for these early ones i normally meld it to make something new so i never have like a max powered move so like these these fights i'm going into are really tricky because i think they expect you to have max powered moves it is fun to like meld constantly but yeah. that's why i do the command boards because you get all the rare stuff and then you can really meld the good attacks i feel like the, for birth by sleep they're like hey how should we make the combat more interesting like just make everything give you some type of thing that upgrades so yeah. like you have a finishing move that upgrades into three different branches you have like uh all of your regular jumps and dashes all upgrade like yeah everything it, upgrades it is it's fun. fun it is really i really fun. hope that's kind of what kingdom Hearts 3 is I, like if they if they take a step back i don't know what they're gonna do because that right. is so much they maybe don't need like the command board where you set or the command list where you set it up or change yeah. it, but they at least need to let you upgrade your attacks. Yeah. Um, but uh, Terra's as a character is not the is not that bad, but okay. the, the the story with all of them is terrible. It's, yeah, Aquas is the best. Are, um, are you playing a, a timeline like the same timeline with all these characters? Are you I, doing? I don't. Like, I'm on one. Uh, what do you mean? Like, do you play? Perspectives, or do each yeah. of them yeah. have their own like story? They, they each have their own story. But you meet up with them occasionally, but it's not it's not the same story. Like there, no one's on the same journey together. Okay, you go to most of the same places with everyone, but in different orders for the most part. Do they unlock different sections too? Because I was I at think, I believe a so. Castle, and I was like, you can't go here. You need to go this way. Yeah, I'm I like, believe oh. I believe so. It has been a couple years since I finished that game, okay. so I can't totally remember. 
But yeah, it's all the same timeline because you all kind of start in the same place, but everyone has a different thing. Like I think it's like Aqua is chasing after Terra. Terra is trying to do this. Like Ventus is an idiot. So yeah, um, I I don't know how much more I'll. I, I want to play it, but you should finish it. It's it's actually good, but it's still. But we there's some other stuff, and we'll talk about the ones that I haven't played. And are stuff you and, uh, are reviews. you trying to play through all the Kingdom Hearts before the third one comes out? No, the, no, okay. not at all. I just never beat Birth by Sleep, and I liked it. I played a little bit of it on PSP, so I didn't own a PSP. But my sister, who doesn't play games, owned one, so I borrowed it, and I had bought the game when it was on sale. So I played it a little bit when I was growing up. Um, but the main game I've been playing is Deus Ex: Mankind Divided. Boy, that is a great game. Have you guys played the recent Deus Ex? I had the older one. That's the terrible game, right? The, the terrible. terrible. It's a terrible. It's known as really terrible. terrible gray game. Uh, yeah. No, terrible I, gray game. I, uh, I played it. I played the first two hours of it. Of uh, Mankind? Yeah. That, that's the latest one, right? Yeah. Josh was divided about yeah. it. What did you... Did you sell it? Yeah. Don't <laughs> even... Oh, my... <laughs> and it, it's not because I didn't want to finish it. It's because there's something else out I wanted to play. And I, I am don't. like... I... About up to here, <laughs> listeners, just so you know, it's above my head. I don't know... Why you sell the game? Buy he it does it. He does it for a Pokemon Go credit. Yeah, just true. so he can get more <laughs> Pokemon, true. so he can buy Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition. Uh, He's gotta get those Paul, iTunes. Where do, where do you stand on the old game trading? Oh God, please, Paul, <laughs> we'll don't what, agree let's see with. See what the chat has to say about this. Don't agree with. Uh, <laughs> don't trade in like the uh, games. Well, yeah, cause you have them all downloaded, right, on your on your hard drive. Yeah, but I mean, even when I had like yeah. Xbox, I was just like, well, for one, you don't really get that much for them. Yeah. For two. I might go back and play them like, yeah. it, but then again, I would only buy a game that I knew I was going to to play to a decent play, amount. Yeah. So real quick about trading before I talk a little bit about Deus Ex, you recently bought Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition. Yeah. Did you trade that in? No, I have it. Okay, because yeah. you, I know you've been talking about that. You just don't. You've been trading most of your games. So I was I, curious I just, if you bought this and I haven't gone around to playing it yet. Okay. Well, anyways, it's on sale for four bucks today. So go pick it up again. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm gonna pick it up again. I have it. Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Sorry. Oh, God. Um, I back to talking about that. Where? where, um, where? It's, it's just... on the Square Enix store. This is going to be... Well, it's be up tonight, so it'll probably still be $4 this weekend. You guys should pick it up. Huh. Um, it is really cool. It's like a first-person adventure game. You have like limited inventory space. You get these things called Praxis Points, which you get through either leveling up or you can find them in the world. You increase like your cybernetic skills. Um, there is a thing where you have to like turn off cybernetic skills at the beginning, but you can upgrade that later so you can keep them all going at the same time and... It's really cool. It's like, oh, there's a vent there and there's poisonous gas, so I need to get the augmentation that will let me breathe in the poisonous gas. And once I go in there, there's going to be either a Praxis Point or some type of weapon or something that I want. and Or I could go to another place where it's like, wow, that's really high. I need to get the super jumping ability. Or I need to hack this door, which is hack level. It's just one of those style games. You can kind of play the game the way you want. Um I've heard mixed things about the story. I could care less. That's I not one. I loved the story in the last one. On Human Revolution? Yeah. I have a hard time getting into... I mean, that's not true. I really... I just beat... Oh, wow. Since the last time we talked... I beat Prey. I don't know if we ever... Oh, yeah, we hadn't talked since then. That was great. I beat Prey since the last time we met, and that was great. And that's kind of... Reminds me of this. But that's a story I was really interested in. And I finally su- stuck through the stupid load times and played through the last two hours of that. And had the best time ever, and I don't want to replay what was, the game. What was the total play time on 22 that 22 hours. Oh, that's not bad. But I about at hour 15, I spent the rest of the seven hours running through zones and getting load times. So I probably played I probably played 20 hours and had two hours of load times. 
Is it like the load it's time? When, when the load time you wouldn't experience this. But nope, I have an <laughs> NVMe SSD. It's yeah, ridiculously yeah, quick. I've heard the Prey PC load times are like ten seconds, and on the original Xbox, not Xbox One S or Xbox One X, the load times are uh, fifty seconds to a minute. It'll, it all depends on the so a hard drive. Yeah. Um, is you know it's you, everything that the console's yeah. using. Then you have an SSD, which is like six times faster than that. And then I have an NVMe SSD, which is six times faster than an SSD. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I was, it just like you don't even see load times. You can even it. you can even Jeez. get your load times down if you buy an external SSD for the Xbox One. It will actually use that, but it's. I mean, we're still not talking PC speeds, but I've been tempted. They're, they're a little bit pricey, but they. Yeah. If you if you just play the games that you play regularly, yeah. and then you get them off and there, then you, and you put, yeah, yeah, exactly. If you, as long as you switch them off, like my my NVMe SSD is like two fifty gig. I looked into that when I was playing Fallout Four on Xbox One. Mm -hmm. uh, we've all played that at this table, Fallout Four. The load times are silly on Xbox. <laughs> it's really bad. I didn't notice them. I thought the game I, was just kind of dull. I played Fall Four and I, more dull. Yeah, it's definitely more dull than three, but it was uh, way more dull than New Vegas. Okay, but it's the thing is, it was a game I wanted to play, but I just every time I got attacked and I had to load into another zone and then sit through another minute load time. I Even like, without the load times, I just was having a hard time yeah. getting. It. I like the the Bethesda games. I, I really yeah. like Fallout and I like uh, Elder Scrolls, but I just couldn't Elder get Scrolls into it had as much. bad load times, yeah. and then when it finally did load. Everyone in the town would be frozen for a second, like they were surprised <laughs> to see you, and then they go start <laughs> moving again. Yeah, I remember that going into Skyrim, the winter hold and stuff, yeah. like going there, and then like. Da, 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 da. Um, you used to be able to do that on Fable. There was glitches that you could actually freeze everybody, and you could beat the game that way. Anyway, like, super easy. To summate all, because I talked about it, stupid amount of things. Beat Celeste got to the the final third thing. That's amazing. There's a review up on uh, our podcast, and there's a written review up on the site, makingmedia.com forward slash blog yes yeah, uh, we'll hopefully blog. get a real site soon um deus ex mankind divides great i'm about uh probably five to ten hours into it prey was amazing finished it all boy seems cool started it Age of defender seems cool started it. king hearts birth by sleep has a weird story but yeah so i just wanted to go over that because i talked about like seven games so of all those um, games which ones do you plan on finishing I will probably beat, uh, I don't know, I want to do a review for either Aegis Defenders or Owlboy. So, okay. um, and I also, oh, one last thing, sorry. I played a lot of games this week. I also played Crossing Souls, the demo for it. I didn't pick it up yet, but I just want to talk about it because it's so cool looking. Did you guys get to see the video for that? No. It is essentially an 80s Stranger Things Zelda Link to the Past style It has game. a Scott Pilgrim vibe to it. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's really cool. A lot of the reviewers are mixed. Like I, I was interested in because somebody gave it a nine, and then the next review I saw was like a six point five. I was like, what is this game? But you play as like five characters, and three of them are useful, two of them are whatever. But you just switch between them with R one L one, and you kind of go around suburb like nineteen eighties America, like doing Legend of Zelda style stuff. I haven't got to where it gets weird yet or anything. But um, I'm probably gonna wait. I just played the, yeah. But it's gonna be a, it's gonna be like a Stranger Things style game where things get weird. But yeah. I probably will wait till it comes on Switch like next year. I played the demo on PS4 and I, I really dug it. Um, let's take a quick break because there's a ton of stuff to talk about when we get back. Hey everyone, venture into the pop culture cosmos today, where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. 
thank you guys for your patience. Um, this was a big week. I want to talk about it. We uh, recently posted our uh, backlog chat with me and Donna talking about to- Rise of the Tomb Raider. Um, we also posted a Kingdom Come Deliverance interview, which came out this week, and we posted my Celeste review. I want to talk a little bit about Kingdom Come Deliverance. We're, we haven't Our copy is coming in the mail still, so we haven't got to play it yet, but it's been like kind of diametrically opposed. Like I've seen YouTube or Twitch streamers like love it. And mm-hmm. I've heard the reviews I've read have been super negative about the bugs. Mm-hmm. What do you guys like for a game like this? Um, does it, when you see the reviews like that, where people are like this sucks, is it just like not make you want to play it? Like, I'm curious. about. Not that. really. I would have expect, I wouldn't have expected anything different from the review side of things just because a game it's trying to be an epic, but from an indie studio, like there's just no way. I mean, there's no way it's gonna have the polish of even like a Bethesda game, which is super yeah. buggy. Yeah. So it's like you gotta appreciate the effort that goes into making that, yeah. though. So yeah. you have to like. I mean, I think that for the for the most part, people expect. Yeah, and at least I, myself. Like I would, I was no way I thought it was gonna be this like pristine experience. And the fact is, they can patch this stuff. That's what also gives me hope. Are you looking at all into it, Jared? It is no, like supposedly it. runs pretty great on PC. Yeah. Out of no, like out of the ports, I think the Xbox and PS4 one will run fine as well. Um, also another game that came out that we've talked, uh, or Doctor Don has talked a great length of disliking, but I was almost swayed to purchase it. I'm still on the fence. Secret of Mana remake. That is crazy. That finally came out. Um, it is seeing a lot of hate. So I was curious what you guys think about all of this hate. Like it's, I've seen some reviews calling one of the worst like ports. I think it's great. Traits and all hate. Well, here's the thing. I mean, <laughs> this just is like the just like the Radiant Historia remake that I'm talking about. Like yeah. they make these moves that are baffling. Where it's like, oh, you know that iconic mana game art style that we've cultivated for mm. 30 years. Fuck that. Let's just make it polygons and look like <laughs> and look like a stupid phone game. Like you never like I don't understand the developer's mindset. So Square Enix, you're stupid since you're watching. Um, <laughs> Square Enix is but in it's the like chat. it's the same it's the same thing like with the Rating Historia remake. Like who asked for like a more otaku boobs friendly remake of an amazing game? Like it's not, I, it's not I was, I was so, on tr- every right, message yeah. board. And so I want, like, I, I think the negative reactions are good because hopefully yeah. that means that Square Enix won't do this again. Next time they have a game with a really cool art direction, feel, music, they won't be like, well, it doesn't matter what we do. We can just repaste it with the cheapest assets and people will love it because it's Secret of Mana. But it's like, not if it doesn't look good, like, not if it doesn't sound good. And I understand that, but I was reading reviews today that were giving it, like, a 5 out of 10. Jeez. And besides the visuals and besides the fact that they say it's boring, which, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that maybe could be applied to the original game because unless the visuals also changed the way it played, like, substantially, I just I was surprised to see such low reviews. I mean, I, I have have played the original game in recent years and it's not boring to me. Yeah, so, so that's what well, I was saying. Like, I didn't think it I think should... you just have to read the reviews because people will just kind of troll stuff and just put, yeah. like, one star out of ten and it's just the smallest little reason. Well, yeah, well, th- that's why I like Kotaku not giving scores. And Doesn't it too... I'm, I mean, no, it's all, sorry. Uh, Secret of Mana, don't they warn you that it's, like, it It only appeals to, like, certain hardcore fans of that genre, though? Isn't that uh, one of the I, things that... I don't that think it, they warn you, you ever. What are you talking about? <clears throat> well, I mean, don't they say, like, if you're fans of, like, Final Fantasy, like, don't expect this game to be like that or anything. I, uh, I've read I a couple. Heard anything like that. I've read a, a 
Hmm. Maybe reviews, but I mean, Secret of Mana is a totally like different. A yeah, Twenty-five yeah. year old game or whatever. Like, yeah, it's an adventure RPG. So if you're expecting Final Fantasy, yeah, it's not Final Fantasy. Yeah, no one because it's from the same company. Yeah. So it's like back then it was famous for, it was famous for fan like for from coming from the same company. So yeah. I feel like right. fans of Final Fantasy were into it. Yeah, and it's an action RPG. It was pretty well lauded because it also had three-player co-op at the time, which yeah. was really I don't know, cool. I don't know any like old-school Final Fantasy fans that aren't Secret of Mana fans. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great game. I, that's why I'm surprised seeing like such low scores sometimes. Yeah. Like It seemed to me to be a little bit crazy. But I mean, it, I, think, I think visuals are a huge factor there because it's like if it's... You know, the game is charming for what it is, so... If that's all gone, like, what's the impetus to play? I don't, I mean, I don't know. I guess I, I don't have much of an argument. I just was surprised. I yeah. still may pick it up, but I, I might wait because I think 40 bucks is a lot for remake. That's why I didn't pick up Shadow of the Colossus. Anyways, about remakes, because this is remake era that we're in. Jake, you got some cool remake news. <laughs> yeah. Cool, I guess. <clears throat> Our good friends over at Kotaku have released a piece saying that they are going to be remastering Spyro Rumor. the Dragon. Rumor. They're going to be re-releasing Spyro the Dragon, Ripto, uh, Ripto's Rage, and Year of the Dragon, the original Spyro trilogy. And I, for one, am stoked. Whoopee. I say forget about it. <laughs> Give me remastered Croc. 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 <laughs> That that's a very underappreciated game. All I of the so grade platformers. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember seeing Croc for the first time when I was a little kid, and I was pretty blown away by it. I was like, Whoa, "Yeah, this is like." Well, I didn't even know what it was, but I got it for Christmas, and I spent just hours playing it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah. I whatever. I mean, it's cool. Croc I forever. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> well, even... There's a Croc too, right? I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, there, I be, think there must you know be a there Croc. There needs to be too. a remaster of is Chameleon Twist. That Ooh, would be great. I would oh, be into that. What about Gex? Oh no! They can leave Gex. They leave Gex in the tomb where he's buried. Up. For Gex about that. Oh. I am curious though, because supposedly Crash Bandicoot had a one-year exclusive deal with Sony. I am curious. I I maybe might pick it up with on Switch. The that well, the rumor is it might be ported to like Switch yeah. or Xbox, but I am there hoping. hasn't been any official announcements. It yet. seems crazy nowadays when games aren't ported. At least PS4 to Xbox because they're running on the exact same hardware. Like. Unless you're buying the exclusive rights, like it doesn't make sense when it's not Sony first party. Right. Um, there were a couple other news stories. Did you guys want to bring those up? They were about like the gaming industry and controversy. We can talk about them. They are very in depth and very long. So if you guys want to save them, we can do that too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's the. We can give the shorthand too. Yeah, the shorthand. There's the Atari thing going on where uh, the uh, founder of Atari was going to be given like an achievement award. Yeah. And it was revoked because someone tweeted that he was like an abuser of some kind, T or that touching yeah. consoles inappropriately. Yeah, exactly. So his, but then it's actually very serious. Um, we shouldn't. Maybe. But I also read I read an article about it that highlighted the experiences of women that actually worked there. Yeah, and that they was really felt cool. Really empowered by the environment, they said it was the '70s. It was a very different time. That's that's kind of an interesting. Thing. I mean, it's it's not really the the domain of this podcast yeah. really get into like right. sexual politics from the seventies <laughs> yeah. when you're, okay. but you're I think that's, a, I think diverse. that's a valid argument um, to not judge like, you know, everything today on by today's standards. Yeah. yeah judge, I mean, everything so, from the past by today's standards. Yeah. But that, that's something that happened. So we'll see if there's any more development to that story. How shallow though is the relevancy pool when you're digging into Atari? I, yeah, yeah. I think we're in a slow news week because, Jared, you also had a kind of controversial story about an old King of Kong, 
right? Uh, that you there's read? actually like more and more coming out, but yeah, um, that one's like still separate, developing. There's like separate leaderboards for people that made uh, game records for original um, arcade systems, chemists. arcade games, uh, systems, different things like that, and then people that do emulators. Yeah, Mame is the big emulator yeah, everybody uses. Yeah. Um, Use me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good emulator, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's great for so all the for arcade, arcade games. games that weren't ever on consoles. Mm. But yeah, and then there's always the console emulators as well. But um, there's a couple of them, and I don't remember exactly how they did each one of them, but they have like a, um, a way of implementing it to where they have the original game and they have every single thing that could possibly go right. What's the best possible time that you can get? This is and the racing some of these, game, right? Yeah, the first one was the racing game. I think that they really had, and they um, they took him off of first place because they found out that it was completely impossible to get the time that he got. Yeah, um, even if everything went. Was absolutely it Outrun perfectly. or what game was it? I honestly it's called. Um, oh gosh, Dragster I don't or something. Really okay, we, we we don't need to search it now, but I am curious. But there's quite, I'll, a, there's quite a few records actually that are being taken off. That Which is interesting. Standing really? records. It's interesting to think how they did that because you had to so to, to submit a record in the olden days, you had to take a Polaroid of the yeah. screen. So it's like you take Polaroid at anybody's screen, but I guess maybe cheating was yeah. Like but so they they couldn't. It's not like you can Photoshop a Polaroid. Like an old school J. No, but I just Jeez. I don't know. I mean. I guess it's not as like big of a deal as it is today. There are like sites like fan sites where yeah. people really care about this stuff. And that's why w- w- they're trying to revoke his number one score. On they, did. they did. They already did. And that, that one was uh, um, specific because that was the longest standing game mm-hmm. record ever. Wow. Yeah. Mr. Hot Sauce himself, man, and hot sauce right now. <laughs> you guys know he's like a, supposedly a hot sauce magnet. No. Like his family. Literally might- like hot sauce just. Comes to him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he opens the cabinet. Oh, I should say a magnate. Sorry. Um, he, uh, He's a hot sauce magnate. <laughs> magnate. Um, yeah, Billy Mitchell's hot sauce. I've never tried it, but I guess it's for gamers. Oh, so great. we got to get on that. Yeah, I um, that was Mountain Dew. This has been a strange episode. <laughs> We've missed our Davey. We haven't done Stock Corner in a long time. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. Um, it was awesome having you, Jared. Just we'll assume that the market has crashed. Heavily. It's crashed. Oh. <laughs> actually, uh, we don't want to get into that. <laughs> but that actually is actually uh, trying to rebuild the market. He, is, as we he speak, doesn't want to come on right here. now. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else that I missed out on for this week? It was kind of a weird news week. Like, I mean, I can only think of like the Kingdom Come stories and the Secret of Mana stories and. Yeah, there's not been a lot of other... Yeah, it's weird. Um, stuff's coming out, though. And I think uh, next month's going to be even bigger with uh, Nino Kuni 2, Far Cry 5. Like, I'm pretty excited. The uh, Nino Kuni 2 is interesting. There's not... It's kind of not being... It's not as... Ex- no one's as excited for it, right? As the first one. I... I you know, I'm not... There, a lot of the previews have been really positive. Yeah. And I really loved the first one enough that as long as it's not like... But it's not from this, Studio Ghibli. Like, Studio no. Ghibli's not involved But in Joe Hisaishi, the mm-hmm. composer, he's part of it. And uh, I, yeah, I just my guess is they didn't want to pay for the license. Yeah. I guess the license was stupid expensive. So that's, you know, boring mm-hmm. politics. Um, okay. Well, hopefully next week we will be back. Uh, and I don't know if we're doing anything cool on the site between then and now. We're going to try to get this live streaming thing normal. And we're also going to try to stream to Twitch at some point if Josh ever gets games. Correct. Um, this will maybe <laughs> never happen because he doesn't own video games. And I don't even know why he's on here. <laughs> True. All right, guys. My okay. last episode. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Late. Oh, yeah.
that uh, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.